0: I see a beach with a sunset and a palm tree and a sailboat (laughs) and someone smoking ganja with a little drink and with an umbrella in it.
1: It is a little bit kind of cruise shippy. I wrote down the the Pina Colada song.
2: (laughs) Do you like Pina
3: Colada? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of.
2: podcast an award-winning unofficial podcast on print
0: for over 10 years giving you prints news reviews trivia, and all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host, Rob
4: S. I think the craziest thing that's happened is when Prince invited me and Captain to meet with him in New York in 2010. Captain.
2: Anytime Prince gets on the guitar and he starts getting up near that top red, just get ready to blow your head off.
0: Player. Oh my god, that's the Minneapolis sound right there. Toe jam.
2: There's just layers and layers of stuff going on in his music
1: all the time in every speaker.
0: I'm Peach and Black on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram
2: and YouTube. This is Sonny T, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. (laughs) Yeah! This is your boy, Mr. Hayes, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast, baby. (laughs) Yeah! All right, what's happening, y'all? This is Tony M, and y'all listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. The fellas
3: getting it in.
4: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. Podcast, we are all gathered here once again today to talk about Prince's 1999 Super Deluxe Edition as we continue the journey going through the songs and the material on this album. Before we do just that, for anyone who wants to hear more Peach and Black episodes, go to peachandblackplus.com. Do it. Yo. Let me introduce the panel as always from left to right player. You know your pussy puts up quite a fuss. Wow, Mm. Wow. Toe (laughs) Jam.
1: Any subject, any key. Purple music will be judged. It happens naturally here on the Peach and Black Podcast.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And Captain. Good lordy lord. All right. And it's me, Rob S, in the place to be with the four of us. Once again, the Virtual Roundtable Peach and Black Podcast crew. So this is part three of our multi-part 1999 Super Deluxe Review In part one, we discussed the remaster itself and the promo mixes and B-sides disc. Then in part two, we reviewed the first eight of the unreleased tracks. And in today's episode, we're reviewing the next eight unreleased tracks, starting with Turn It Up. And I'm going to hand the mic over to Captain to open this up for us.
2: Oh, okay. So you want me to start and talk about one of my favorite tracks from Prince of all
4: time. Oh, wow. no, you didn't cool. just say that.
2: Yes, of all time. Wow. That might be a surprise to some people or it might not. I don't know. Wow, you said bombshells. Here we go. Bombshells. There we go. I am very surprised. I think it's just the energy of this track Like I could play this every morning to get out of bed And it would work every single day Forever (laughs) Just like uh, we talked about Feeling Up and Irresistible Bitch They were on a uh, little 2LP uh, bootleg That I bought back in the early 90s Um, From the collector's market (laughs) From the collector's market exactly from, actually, in Perth, there is a great record shop, I don't know if it still exists, called It's like Red Eye in Sydney. They've just got, like, everything. They've got vinyl, and it's, like, multi-story, and it's, it's a massive sh- place. Shout but, uh, out to anyway. them. They
0: get a cease and des- 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 letter tomorrow morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they closed down because of me. Good job. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, Fill You Up and Irresistible Bitch, I've listened to this song about a billion times. I know it very well. And it's always been one of my favorite tracks, and I'm so happy that I can listen to it in this quality now. Wow. There's just so many great parts in this track. The
1: first, go on then, turn
2: it up, Tell turn, it up turn, turn it up, turn it up. The first two verses and chorus, they're pretty straightforward. You've got him doing that one synth note that he holds the entire chorus, which he loved to do in in the early years. I mean, it's just classic Prince right there. He also does it in the second verse as well, but it's a different synth note he holds down. It's one at 121, one at 127. The words coming out of my mouth are in no way going to be as good as this song is, so I don't even know (laughs) if I should keep going. But, um... (laughs) He screams, he screams, now turn it up at 146. And you get this breakdown. Then you get another verse. And then there's this bit, 251 to 306. That's a cool bit. And then he ends with a big scream. I love that. It's very good. 330. I like that synth and guitar and scream breakdown. There's another great part, 349 to 356. A cool little guitar and synth part. Now, this is the thing. Through all these tracks... In the early years, like, in Irresistible Bitch, he mentions Feel You Up, and, you know, in other songs, he says Turn It Up, and, yeah. you know, These the lyrics to these songs are in so many of the other songs from this era. Now, you get to 357 in this. Now, I know what the lyrics online say he's saying, but at 357, I have always heard it as I Want To Feel You Up, which totally fits in with him calling out all the other tracks from this, era all over the place but then you see the lyrics online and it's not that at all but i don't care because i've heard it for like 30 years and nothing's going to change it now (laughs) uh, (laughs) 421 you got another cool little riff on both synth and guitar that starts up for about 30 seconds and then back into that just killer main synth hook but as much as i love this song and is one of my favorite songs there's one thing that i don't love about it the thing i could do without Oh, and it's that I wonder it's that, if it's the same ooh, thing I'm ooh, thinking. I don't know. We'll see. It's that sort of wet TikTok uh, effect on yeah. the drums, that sort of uh. drip drop. It's just a weird effect, and it's the only thing that takes this track down from being like just perfect. I can handle it, obviously, but I don't love it. And I know musically... <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know... Play is gone. That's it. I know musically this is not an amazing track. I mean, it's pretty basic when you look at it, but it's just the arrangement, his vocals, and just the energy of this takes it through the roof. And just like Irresistible Bitch, this is right up there as one of the best tracks on this whole oh massive set. Lord,
4: the Controversy. <laughs> Jeez. Talk about controversy. I was gonna Take it away. It I was gonna hand it over to Player or To Jam, but I feel compelled. I feel compelled to jump in now. Rebuttal and Here con- it comes. <laughs> contrast. Yeah, well, I wasn't planning on this, but I couldn't believe some of the things I was hearing. First of all, let me just say it's nice to have and it's kind of fun while it lasts. But what I will say is this is like the poor cousin of Let's Pretend We're Married. Ooh. Oh, this kills that. I think this kills Let's Pretend We're Married. And it's the poor cousin of that song, mm, it and it's also <laughs> the poor cousin of "Can't Stop This Feeling I Got" as well. I I take those two songs. Oh over this no,
0: this is way better. Any
4: day, oh of my god! The
0: week. Hold up, hold up. When you say "Can't Stop," do you mean the one that's on this set or the one that's on "Song Graffiti"?
4: I would say "Graffiti Bridge." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just for clarity. <laughs> yeah, that, it's just a, it's yeah, it's a lot better than than turn it up for me. Like the synth bass is very Devo like, and it is cool. But the thing that kills me, and I'm half surprised, but half not surprised that Captain doesn't mind this, or in fact, even enjoys it, I'm just not one for this type of singing. This falsetto, this whimsical, but not in a good way for me. Like, I know he's having fun in the studio, but it's just this weird Are
2: you reading weird... your notes from the next track again? No, like no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Because that's what of... I've got. That's exactly what I've got for the next
3: track. Well, it's this type of thin,
4: <laughs> thin kind of childish falsetto when combined with this sort of music it doesn't do anything for me. I just think it would have been way better if he sang it in a lower register. Then I would take it more seriously. Again,
2: exactly my notes for the next track.
4: Okay. So (laughs) the breakdown is pretty funny, though. Like, he's really hamming it up. But again, it's funny while it lasts. But it's very bubble. It's just too... I think what I'm looking for here is it's too bubblegum for me. I have a limit to how much bubblegum pop I will listen to. Like, a few years after this, Freddie Mercury released his only solo album. And did a song, actually the opening song to that record, which is called Let's Turn It On. And it is the most underwhelming piece of dance music that I can think of outside of something like this. Like if I'm drunk, this can be a little bit fun to hear. You can just kind of dance like an idiot, goof around in in your living room. And for that, it has a purpose, but I don't know. It's like, it just doesn't do much for me. And by the way, I know you're not you're not listening much to lyrics, Captain, but does he say O oh, Titty Rock at some point? Because I could swear <laughs> that it's O oh, Titty Rock and I don't have the lyrics in front of me.
2: It seems <laughs> like it's some sort of homage to like the old do wop because it's saying diddy wop. Oh,
4: ah, okay.
2: But well, but heard, again, uh, I've always heard I wanna feel you
4: up because that's just I, what I hear. <laughs> well, I'm trying and to I know be what's as, wrong and I don't care. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be as mature as I can about this. Um <laughs> and I know I'm not twelve years old anymore, but I'm hearing uh, oh titty rock every time this comes on. And yeah, so I hear titty titty whop. Now, <laughs> now I can't unhear it. <laughs> I'm gonna hear it that every for, time oh, I listen
2: titty
4: whop. to it. Well if you're rock, gonna say that, rock. why don't you just
2: go the whole way and just say old oh, titty flop? That's what you really want to oh, say, <laughs> isn't it?
4: <laughs> and if anyone didn't guess, this is an Australian podcast for uh, all you country folk out there. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but look, yeah, I don't have too much more to add other than this is my official rebuttal, completely unplanned, by the way, to what Captain was saying. I will say that, that there are some funny lines. Although they are obvious, they kind of work. So, you know, come and play with my controls. Yeah, ha-ha. It's very funny. Rub me like a radio. Yeah, ha-ha-ha. So it's kind of like I don't <laughs> take it seriously. I, I don't think Peggy McCreary, who is the recording engineer really take this seriously it's a bit of fun that's what it is to me so there you go um what do you think player um
0: i think i like this more as an instrumental than an actual song and i think that's because each verse starts with him saying turn it up you know it's turn it up turn it up baby and then turn it up turn it up turn it up baby and every verse is that turn it up turn it up so when you listen to the song it's like oh my god this is getting a bit repetitive But highlight for me is the synths. I really like them all the way throughout. But it's, I don't know, this just, it feels or it sounds like it's really tinny to me, like it's missing some really good bottom end. Hmm. I think he he could have layered those synths a little bit more, maybe. I think a song like this demonstrates the linking bridge between the sound of the controversy in 1999 albums, because I hear elements of both Hmm. of those albums within this there is that controversy sound and then there's that 1999 sound and it's just i see this as like a bridging song this as captain said has been previously circulating so to me it's not as exciting on this set because i kind of have heard it before it's not like a new revelation or anything but yeah it's a fun track i mean i can see when captain said about getting up in the morning and being energized and all that i think it's a bit you know richard simmons 80s exercise workout for me
2: (laughs) which is which is you know eddie
0: murphy and nutty professor i'm a pony i'm a pony you know i'm a pony you know it's it's like that it's very much i could see like vanity or apollonia you know doing this
4: it's it's (laughs) it's very spandex like like the girls what you're saying yeah it is yeah yeah
0: I can see some one of the girl groups doing this um, It's quite cool, it's energetic But it just for me, it's just a little bit repetitive But apart from that, I think it's good
4: Well, it's funny you say one of the girl groups doing it Because allegedly this was considered for the time at some point Even though, as per the liner notes I don't think Morris never added his vocals to it But maybe this was really intended for someone else other than Prince Who knows?
2: MC, have you heard this song before this release? Yeah Once, twice, a hundred times, what?
4: Oh, like a couple times
2: Because I get the distinct impression that people are fawning over the totally unheard tracks way more than others, simply because a lot of us have heard them many, many times before. That's a fair point. And they're all enamored with the newness of stuff like Rearrange, but these tracks are absolute freaking stone-cold classics and people need to recognize. I know you've heard it a million times. And you're used to it, but if this had come out and you hadn't heard it, there'd be a difference of opinions on some of these tracks, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe.
4: You yeah. actually raise a very good point, and it it is a, for me. It, what you just said does apply to a, a whole suite of songs on this release, except for this one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out. Yeah, this like is this people- is one of those <laughs> ones where I just don't really dig it.
2: No, people <laughs> are sleeping on some of these tracks because they think they've heard it all before. Yes. You know, if we'd never heard Possessed and Irresistible Bitch before this release, they would have blown our freaking heads off. Well, who's, and who's to say they'd been a distant third out of those three? But because that's brand new and unheard, everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. And Possessed, Again, oh, I've heard that. Oh, you I've, are heard, making a very I've heard good Turn point. It Up. You so are that's, very, making a very and good point. And that is my point, and that's yeah. all Except i say. Except for Turn It Up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Toe, jam, Shut it toe up. Jam's going to tell toe me jam. I'm right.
1: I am going to tell you you're right, but before I do that, just want to make a point on the point you're saying, and that is I had a fear coming into listening to this set, and I think I said this in the last show or one of the shows, that I had this fear that some of these songs that were previously bootlegs, that they wouldn't exceed my expectations. Um, and some of them don't, but some of them absolutely do, and this is one of them. Yes. Uh, I'm definitely with Captain on this. This is an absolute Prince classic what? from my favourite year. This is oh, This is gold, this song. It's classic. so good. The energy is just... Crazy. Uh, okay, let me go through my notes. So um, I first heard this on the Jewel Box Volume 2.
2: Oh-ho! And
1: um, I've always loved it. But I think I love it even more now that it's released in, in such pristine quality. Um, the beat is a big, thick lindrum sound with heavy reverb, tinkly percussion mixed with some beatboxing. That's kind of the um, some of that wet sound that Captain was talking about. Uh, I love the synth as well in this, especially that... up, up,
2: So good. I
3: mean,
1: just listen um, synth to those turnarounds. It is
2: L- Minneapolis sound, like just blowing your head off. Yep. If you don't like the sounds totally. of this, you know, you don't like Prince. I don't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got these big, massive synth bass turnarounds leading into each chorus. Oh, I love Psycho.
2: that! Just, I love that. Just right at the start of the song as well. That's Ooh, so good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the bass, you know, the bass line itself is kind of these simple eighth notes. It's <laughs> kind of video gamey. And I just, I love the lyric concept. It's so cheesy, but that's what's so good about it. You know, turn it up all the way, work it like a radio, come and play with my controls. You know, I'll play what you want me to play. Like, <laughs> it's so so good. terrible. But, man, the absolute <laughs> highlight of the song is this scream where he goes, It ain't no good unless you turn it up all the way. <laughs> yep. And then that's when the song's just firing. Yep. It's like, man, this is killing. This is absolutely killing. It's, it's kind of got that let's pretend we're married vibe about it. And I think when we reviewed that, I, I talked about this. Wolf in sheep's clothing, kind of thing, and this song has that as well. It's this cheesy little pop song that's talking about radios and pop music, but underneath it, you know, he mm. wants to he wants yep. to do some stuff. <laughs> um, there's a there's kind of a dark undertone to this song. I kind of detect. Yeah, so you get to the breakdown. And of course, what does he say? Now turn it down. Yeah, all breaks down at 350. I don't hear titty flop. I hear titty wop. That's what I yeah. hear. Yeah, uh, but I did put a question mark next to that because I don't know what he's
2: D D D for dog. It's a D. Did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably that makes sense. Which is an homage to the um, old thing.
1: Yeah, and that also reminds me of um uh, that song "Pop Music" by the I think they're called M or something from 1979. Yeah. Ah. That pop
2: pop, pop music oh. kind of reminds me of that as well.
3: Huh.
1: That's a and that also song. has a similar kind of synthy synthie song. Yeah. Uh, at 4:14, there's a synth line very, very, very similar to the one used in "Mia Bocca." Du, 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 du. Just the ending's different. But other than that, it's the same synth line from Mia Bocca. So that's, you know, and that's another 82 track or, or thereabouts. And you've got some Dirty Mind kind of unison synth bass underneath it, du, 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 sort of holding the same note, the suspended stuff. My understanding is this song was intended for 1999, but was eventually replaced by Delirious. This is a big call because I love oh, don't even everything say on $90.99. Don't even say <laughs> it. I know where yeah, you're going I'm tempted with tempted to say... <laughs> I th- well, okay. Let me put it this way: so I'll We're I won- already I a popular podcast.
4: It. You don't need to do it for the ratings. You don't. Don't you don't. I'm need not going to do it for the it. I will say. Electric I In will say If
1: if this was, well, I'm not going to totally an in electric In a Corset, but I'm going to say if this was on 1999 <laughs> instead of Delirious, what? the album would not be any lesser of an album. Wow. I'll just say that. Wow. Uh, I think this is a great track. This is killer, absolute killer. The dark undertone, the pop. The funk, it's all there. And those synths, that, that big just runs through the chorus. It's
2: cool. All right, there's my review. Turn It Up. Toe Jam 1999 replaced Turn It Up. The interesting thing is that at some point, Turn It Up was on the 1999 album, but then Prince recorded 1999, and that booted Turn It Up off the album. So, I mean, obviously 1999. To Bobby Z. I don't know. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Turn It Up was on the album, but then I think Warner Brothers came back to him and said, We need, you know, we need a big song. A
4: better song. Wow. And so he made (laughs) 99.
2: And then 99 came. And DMSR replaced Extra Lovable, which is also interesting. Wow. Wowzers. Mm. Let's go. Next
4: one. Okay. So that's Turn It Up done. Now let's go into another track and see what everyone thinks about this. It's called You're All I Want. And I'm going to hand it over to Toe Jam, because I'm genuinely curious to know what you think of this after Turn It Up.
1: Oh, my God, this is the best night. <laughs> 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 I mean, this this definitely has a sort of unfinished vibe about it. There's no keyboards. Um, there's only a very slight backing vocal. Most of it's just sort of one vocal singing it. So it does sort of sound a bit unfinished to me. The intro, that... didn't. But it reminds me of a song, and I was asking you guys before the show, and I just can't put my finger on it. I'm sure one of the listeners will be able to. There is a song, I don't know if it's a Prince song, maybe a bootleg, or maybe it's a Miles thing from the 70s, and the song starts, dun, 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 dun. Oh, oh, it's a Herbie Hancock song. I know that. I know that much now. That's popped into my head. It's a Herbie Hancock song, it starts, But then It might even be uh, off the Headhunters album. I think it is. It's coming back to me. It's something off the Headhunters album. Keep going. You're almost there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just got to get the name of the track now. Uh, But yeah, that's what the intro sounds like to me. Uh, And then we're into a blues. It's it's another one of these rockabilly bluesy songs like Jack You Off and Horny Toad and Delirious and Turn It Up to a Lesser Extent. It really is the, I'm sure you've all got this, the precursor to Delirious. It's in the same key. Similar chord progression, it's a blues progression with some slight variations in there It obviously stays on the one chord a bit longer than um, Delirious does before going to the four chord And the bass starts on beat one Whereas sometimes in um, Delirious it anticipates the beat a bit Um, So it's, it's a bit more straight, the bass line on this one I think the Delirious bass line is better, more interesting But they're very similar obviously There's one little bit where he says, make you want to scream, and there's a guitar scream that squelches along where he says the word scream, that kind of stuff. It's got the jack-you-off turnaround, that do-do-do-do-do, and I'll jack you off. Got the very, very similar kind of turnaround leading into it. So these are all kind of motifs and little bluesy things that Prince was doing at this time. Yeah, like I said, there's not much happening in the vocals. It's kind of falsetto, and it's an interesting melody for the blues. That sounds like a very princy kind of line, doesn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's not really all that memorable. And, I mean, it's fine for what it is, but it just kind of sounds like an un, sort of unfinished bluesy song that it's okay, it's good. I enjoy it when it comes on, but I don't, like, skip towards it to listen to it. So uh,
4: that's You're All I Want. Okay, okay. Uh, player, what do you think of this one?
3: Mm,
0: not that much. This is another rockabilly-style joint that he seemed to favour around this era. To me, all the songs like this, Jackie Off Delirious to a lesser degree horny Toad, and this are a variation of the same thing they all derive in a derivative of each other i don't know it sounds like stray cats or something of similar of that sort of early Uh. 80s era delirious is obviously a superior track more worked on and was selected for the final inclusion which was probably the best idea maybe if you worked on this a bit more maybe maybe gotten it to that level but um I mean, to me, this is a really forgettable track. It's definitely interesting to hear, but every time I see the title, "You're All I Want," I struggle to think, "Oh, you know, that's that song." And then when I you're hear the it, you're the one like, that oh,
2: I want. Yeah. yeah, you are the one I want. <laughs> woo, woo, that's what it is. Yeah,
1: that's totally right. Every song on this, you look on the back of this, and you look at each song. You go, yeah, yeah, and then, But that one, you have to think, "Oh, what's that one again?" Oh, that's right, it's that one. Yeah.
0: Exactly, and I get that every time I see it. And then it's like when I start playing, it's like, "Oh, okay," uh, you know. I can remember Jack you off and delirious and all that sort of all the other ones that sort of sa- sound the same, but for this, there's nothing really that retains in the memory. So it's definitely interesting to hear, but I can do without it really, unfortunately.
4: Yeah. So captain thought I was reading from the wrong notes when I was talking about the earlier track. And this is oh, what I'm got me, tell to me say. Tell me what about, a
2: strong vocal this is.
4: You're all I want. Well, musically, I actually like this little ditty, more than Turn It Up. Diddy-wop. I do. Oh. I do like it. I like it more than Diddy Wop. Turn It Up. But... Turn It Up, MC. But it's got... Even though it's got a very similar bass line to Delirious, which I think one of you already mentioned, this is an even less enjoyable falsetto style than what he was doing on Turn It Up. I will say that. it's yes. uh, Turn It Up was was not great. This is worse. It sounds so infantile... Like it was, it was childish on Turn It Up, but this is complete infant. This is like can't even speak yet infant. It's not really my taste, and <laughs> I am going, <laughs> I am going hard on this because it's actually got a couple of good lyrics. I can't buy half the fun when I'm with you. That's a great line on in and of itself. So I would say it's a better little pop ditty than Turn It Up, but these two together, they're kind of. A couple of ditties that are okay as ideas. I do agree with player that this is unfinished or at least it sounds like he's just working out an idea and it's okay, but really not memorable. I will finish my thoughts on this with one final comment, which is partially directed at captain. Is there whammy in this? What did I just say that? Mm. Is this the first ever whammy on guitar on a Prince song?
2: There is a little Check it bit out. of vibrato on his guitar, like whether it's a whammy bar or just him doing it. Uh, I'm not sure.
1: I want to know if MC's reading off the wrong song again, <laughs> reading his notes off the wrong song. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Seriously, you'll never, you'll never know. You'll never, it'll, you'll, it'll you'll, you'll never be uh, admitted to. Come uh, to think Captain. Of it. Maybe what are your I'm
2: thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of a different song as well. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, this is basically it's cross between horny toad and delirious i've got which of course means i don't hate this track it's okay delirious and horny toad are both great this one is just another version of those not quite as evolved but like out of those three by far the weakest just because it hasn't been worked on any further toe jam already said i like that little guitar note when he screams at 107 and classic prince on big guitar scream at the same time it's good stuff but uh like I've already said before, I think this would have benefited from being sung in his normal voice. Lower register. If he sang this like he sang Irresistible Bitch and just killed his voice, (laughs) I would love this song. It'd be the best song, (laughs) but it doesn't happen. But, I mean, again, it's classic Prince. I'm going to take this punk sort of rockabilly thing, but twist it my way, sing it in a falsetto... (laughs) And, and wear underwear on stage and no wonder he got booed off stage at the Rolling Stones gig. But that's Prince being Prince. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, you got some nice backing vocals come in 218. That cool little guitar solo on the outro. And then that's it. Three minutes. Bang. Done. But I've just got to add something to what MC said about infantile or something. I played this in the car with my friend the other day and this song started and we're like, And this was literally the first time that he'd heard it, and I'd probably only heard it for maybe the second or third time. And this song started, and then as soon as it went, we both just burst out laughing because (laughs) it sounds so ridiculous. (laughs) So I do get that infantile comment. I I, I can hear that very well because we just both literally burst out laughing at that same thing. It was very funny.
1: That uh, melody line ends up becoming the synth line in Delirious. You know, they're very similar. That's
0: what I was just about to say. Do you think, he, like, because there is no keyboards on this track, that that's what he was trying to replicate? He's just sort of verbally. could have been. Inserting in there what's supposed to be. Yeah, he, he never keyboard. got to do oh.
2: the synths. He's just like, I'll just sing this bit and I'll do the synth later. Yeah, it's actually, a really wouldn't be the first time because
4: that makes that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, it could be a vocal. He's vo- yeah, so he's he's got an idea and he's just vocalizing it rather than playing it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Huh.
2: Well, there
1: you go. Interesting. Is this the one that has a story with Peggy McGreary? Is it that one?
4: one or is that something else? Well, there are there are two songs that. Um... Well, one's Colleen, we've already done and dusted that one. So this yeah, must be Yeah. The so one. this is. Yeah. This was, yeah, I think Toe Jam's right. This is the Peggy McCreary birthday song. That's right. She she was celebrating her birthday. She wanted to be anywhere but the studio, allegedly. And as she was leaving, the story goes, he turned around, threw the cassette to her and said, happy birthday. So that was her quote-unquote birthday song. And I think the liner notes refer to that and say that, or, or she remembers it as the biggest gift he could have given her, you know, giving a song, which is like one of his children, right? Every song is a child to him in a way. So there you go. Shout out to Peggy. (laughs) 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 Oh, what crap. That sounds like uh, me, myself, and I. What, like Knee Deep? Like that sample? Oh, that's right. Knee Deep, of course. They sampled it.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, it's, yeah, I can see
4: that. Track 11. Okay, the next track is, whoop, 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 whoop. Okay, (laughs) the next track is called Something in the Water Does Not Compute Original Version. It was not on originals, but it is on this, the Super Deluxe 99 edition. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm super keen to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, open it up, Captain.
2: Ooh, I don't know if you want to hear that.
4: Okay. <laughs> um, no? No. I'm
2: got first now. To too bad. I'm first. Too bad. I'm
0: first. Okay. He's taken it.
2: I'm not a big fan of the album version of this track. Wow. But <laughs> I definitely oh. prefer this version oh Lord! who like, compared Jeez. to the album version with the obnoxious drumming and it just seems so overblown obnoxious. and bombastic compared to this one also cold the album bombastic. version feels a lot colder yeah. than this one i like the bits you can hear him clapping at the start this one is just so much better the drums are much more calm You've got this nice piano all the way through, which, strangely enough, was how he was playing it in 2012 in Australia, just piano and vocals. Mm. Uh, You've got some real nice piano parts, 135 to 158. One of my favorite parts of this track, probably the most favorite thing, is the bass in, like, which you first really hear it at 211, and then again at 228, playing along with that lead line, and then... This is where this track gets really good. (laughs) Yeah, that bit. That bass line (laughs) on the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, That bass line is just relentless until the end of the track. I could listen to a loop of that for an hour, I reckon. It's just so good. (laughs) You can tell it's not a synth. It's a real bass because it's got... Oh, it could be a synth, actually. It's got a little bit of vibrato, which makes me think he was actually playing it on the bass. But actually, there's sla- like there is bass slap bass in this track, so it's probably a real bass. But it's just too funky, and I definitely hear shades of. Am I going to steal someone's notes? Join repetition, 2:30 to the outro. Yeah, it's very similar chords. Is, uh, yeah. I haven't compared them directly, but it just sounds very similar. There is an insane little bass run at 3:29. Just listen to that; it'll just kill you. I actually really love like this outro, especially that funky bass that's also reminding me, that bass line also reminds me of another track and I can't think of what it is and I've been thinking about it for weeks now and I still don't know, um, but it's great. So, <laughs> in conclusion for me, definitely an improvement on the overblown album version. This is much better. The end. Wow. Overblown.
4: <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that Luke Cold or whatever, however you want to refer to it, album version would have been considered overblown well neither uh, did uh,
2: i until you listen to them back to back and this is so much more calm and yeah you listen to the drum machines on the album version and you're like oh man calm down that's just over the top
4: this is calmer i will give you that this is a calmer version and with that grabbing the microphone off captain and handing it to player yeah this is definitely fascinating this sounds
0: like a draft or even oh a demo (laughs) of the final track (laughs) There's some interesting elements he was testing out here. Captain mentioned like the hand claps in between the beat. Um, there's all little things that you can hear him test out in this track. For example, when he gets the second verse, you can tell he's just scatting the lyrics off the top of his head. Like he hadn't at that point really finished the song, but he just wanted to get it down and recorded. So the first verse got that. Then he got the chorus and then the second, he's just, you can tell he's just kind of making it up off his head. So it's an interesting process to listen to. And I definitely agree with Captain. This sounds a bit laid back than the release version. You know, that version is a bit more, has more urgency about it. But I don't mind that. I mean, it fits in with, you know, the concept of the song, you know, does not compute like a computer and, you know, has that sort of computer vibe about it. But this one's sort of a lot more organic, especially with that piano. But this is definitely the template of the finished track. All the basic elements are there for Prince to reference when he actually finished off the track. I had the note there about join repetition as well but yeah I like this I don't know if I like it better than the release one but I definitely like it as an alternative so I like both tracks equally it's great
2: thank you for putting it like on like you listen to the second half of this version the original version and it's just nice and calm and you've got that bass line going and all little sounds here and there and then you listen to the second half of the album version and it's like he's just screaming his head off like a maniac with all this reverb uh. And it's yeah, just so over the top. It's like the, almost the total opposite of this version in a bunch of ways. It's really... Uh, I like this one much more.
4: Yeah, it's also interesting hearing something like this that is the original version 37 years <laughs> after the album version has been spinning around in our brains, right? That is also a bit of a trip. But um Toy Jam, what do you think about this?
1: Well, I stood up for Captain on Turn It Up and now he's disappointing me on this oh. one. I much prefer the album version. <laughs> I mean, this is good. This is good for what it is, but it is like the, the template, as player was saying, the demo version of the album track. It's kind of, it's a groove, it's German, it's but I think the album version has more depth to it because it is a bit crazier, whereas this one's kind of more like just a sad song. Whereas the album version is, it's like, you know, he's breaking down, the computer's breaking down. And I think that's more artistic compared to this one. Not that this is bad, this is still good, but I think this is not as good as the album version. The sound quality on this one, I don't know, is it just me? It doesn't seem as clear and as crisp as some of the other ones on this set. And I was wondering if, um, I know they say it's from the original tapes, but I do wonder if this one is actually from a cassette. I don't know. There's a big wash of synths all the way through. Uh, but it still has some of those computery sound effects through it, but definitely not as prominent as they do in the album version. You know, that lead line, da 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 like in the album version, that's all done really weird and you can't really hear the the pitches, like the tones as they are. So here now you're hearing it, what was originally envisioned for that lead line, which is kind of cool. Uh, the bass is obviously much more prominent in this one and the chords are much clearer. You know, it's clear what chords he's playing, whereas in the album one, they're kind of more implied... You know, they're kind of more airy and breathing in and this kind of thing whereas this one it's you know it's clear always playing one chord the minor four chord like bold generation you know the last minute or two it just kind of keeps that chord progression going and at that point it kind of stops doing the original chord progression and it just kind of falls into the same chord progression from join repetition which is like uh, flat six down to five down to one and that's the you know just repeats those three chords over and over, over and um, so and that's over the again. repetition thing going on there so yeah I mean this is a good version I enjoy listening to it but I don't think it's as good as the album version. I think the album version has some of that special 1999 magic to it that this one doesn't have, but it's still a fascinating listen.
4: Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. It is a fascinating (sighs) listen. It's called the original version, this one, but I hear it as an alternate to the album version, and I'm not surprised why he ended up putting what he did put on the album.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's definitely the earlier version because the album one is kind of like taking this version and tweaking it to like another.
4: Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Like
1: twisting it, you know, turning it on its head kind of thing. Yeah. In a good
4: way. And and this version, like Captain was saying, it's calmer and it, and it definitely is, is calmer. It's more relaxed. It's more, dare I say, musically middle of the road compared to, and it's not musically middle of the road, but compared to what's on the album, that album track is so much more painful and eerie and the screams are like he's letting out some steam and and i think letting out some pain peggy mccreary was talking about you know it was an outlet for his emotions right and you can really hear that on that whereas on this it's more of a tepid lukewarm um, (sighs) version the thing that i do like about this though even though this version has less less synths it doesn't really have background vocals to speak of by comparison. Less impassioned vocals as well, which I spoke about. It's got no screams at all, which is strange for a song that's supposed to be, you know, about being in pain and broken hearted, allegedly. Yeah, even the, the drum and the percussive arrangement, it's not as striking as what's on the 99 album. It's less creepy. But the one thing that creepy. it does do that is... <laughs> 30- it is. It's way less creepy. This, the creep element is not on this original version, but it does add some really nice tasty piano and a meteor bass part. And that bass part is the shit, man. Like, I could listen best, to that the best on the song, repeat.
2: For an hour, easy.
4: Yeah, 100%. I would go as far as to say it is a criminally unknown and therefore underappreciated bass line. It's so good. So, so good. And um, it's,
2: the thing is, it's so simple.
4: <laughs> Oh my but god! Just it's so the simple. way
2: he plays it is like oh, so good. Yeah, every that, time.
4: like that should be that should be in every hardcore Prince fans like database of classic basslines. But it's mm-hmm. not because we haven't heard it for thirty-seven years. We're only getting to hear it now, uh, properly, and you know, and the quality is good enough to really consider this. It's kind of a shame. I mean, this would have been great live as well. That bassline. I mean, I'm sure he's done this. I'm sure he's used that bassline or parts of it in a live context but i would say that most hardcore fans don't think of this as as one of his great bass lines but i again as i'm attempting to suggest it really should be and the piano yeah i think captain talked about how on the welcome to australia tour and on on other shows after the 2012 tour as well and potentially even slightly earlier if memory serves me correctly rehearsals and that sort of stuff uh, where cassandra o'neill was um Running her hands across the keys, and and Prince was doing vocal only at the mic. Th- those were always really magical moments, and this song reminds me way more. There's a direct line between those piano and voice performances, but the studio version is just like a freak of nature. It's you can't, you wouldn't even be able to really pull that off live. I don't think it's it's definitely an album track, the one that's on the '99 album. Yeah, great bass line. That's the memorable bit. Prince on Piano, Noodling Away is always cool. And this is great to listen to, but I think the album version is the definitive one. Yeah.
2: The album version is three chains of gold compared to this. (laughs) What? (laughs) Just overblown, bombastic, (laughs) just over the top. This is so much better.
4: Really? Okay. All right. Well, that's one. Everybody has an opinion. So with that, let's go into the next song which is track number 12, If It'll Make You Happy.
3: Really love it, baby. No what they say. If it'll make you happy, girl, I'll come right away.
4: Another little ditty. Come on, Take it come away. On. Ooh, there he is again. Mr. Player, what do you think about this? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is
0: really laid back like a car seat. This almost sounds very... <laughs> Unlike Prince in a way. It definitely sounds unlike the 1999 album, at the very least. Every time I hear this song in my mind's eye, I see a beach with a sunset and a palm tree and a sailboat <laughs> and someone smoking ganja with a little drink and it, with an umbrella in it. I don't know. I get a 10cc dreadlock holiday vibe a little bit from this. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just very unusual song. The drums are very interesting. He does all these little fills throughout. That's kind of cool. I really hate the way the vocals recorded though, with that slight delay in each channel. Uh. That's annoying, especially when you're listening on headphones. I really can do without that. It's just off-putting. This isn't my favorite track, but it is cute. There's some nice lyrics and it's enjoyable in the moment, but I have to be really in the mood for it. You know how I was saying earlier on the last episode, like... Certain songs take you out of the 1999 headspace when listening to all these vault tracks. This is one of them. So if I listen to it on its own, I'm, I'm not too bad with it. But as part of 1999, it's just like, oh my God, this is just so different. It's very, very different. Yeah, it's cool. It like, sticks it's, out like yeah, a sore thumb, right? Well, it does, yeah. In terms of its sound, it's very
4: big departure from the sound of 99. All right. Um, Captain, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I cannot stand listening to this song. I just can't get past that vocal delay in the left channel. It is awful, awful, awful. The delay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. It's just so off-putting to me. It's just...
0: Yeah, it's, it's distracting the it tracks. Yeah. It's
2: all I can hear. It's all I can hear and I just focus on it and I'm like, nah, next. I, I can't do it. But here we go. It's a reggae song. Probably the earliest reggae track we've ever heard from him that we know about. From the very few which we even know that he did. I mean, what else you got? You got a blue light, rip pop, go to zipper. Is, is that it? <laughs> That's probably The one it. on
0: uh, Rave.
2: Ah, what is it? Sun, Moon and Stars. Sun, Moon, Stars. Come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> but, I mean, as much as this is so different from anything he was doing at the time, just listening to his voice at the same time, it's so Prince. Yeah. And you got this weird guitar solo at 145, whether it's out of tune or he's just trying to make it sound awful, I don't know. But it's a very different solo, for, for Prince at least. And then you've got another little solo 255, nothing amazing. Backing vocals are nice and layered here and there. I'm sure we'll say this about a few tracks on the release, but some songs here, you can just see, you can just hear why they weren't released. If I like this song enough, I'd take the time to make a mix without that vocal in the left channel. But I don't, yeah. so the end.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: okay, then. <laughs> Toe Jam, do you dig the reggae?
1: I like this song, yeah. It's one of those ones that when it comes on, you kind of like, oh, yeah, this one. But every time I play it through, I enjoy it. Um, now, this one, as far as the circles that I swim in, this has only been circulating for a couple of years and um, only, for, only like a two-minute version. It was like a two-minute version that's been out there for a bit but it faded out when it got to the guitar solo, so it's nice to hear the full thing finally.
2: And most importantly mention it doesn't have the delay in the left channel. Bang. <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, okay. So obviously this has been a decision by someone. They made that choice. Well, we
1: don't know what they had. Mm. Okay, so yep, reggae. Chorus has a similarities to blue light. But, oh, honey. Dinner. Um, it's very simple chords. Four, five, one. Uh, the vocal, like you guys have said The lead one is in the right And then it sort of slaps back in the left uh, I don't mind it I, I kind of gives it something a bit different to it It is a little bit kind of cruise shippy I wrote down the, the Pina Colada song
3: <laughs> Do you like Pina Colada? Yeah,
2: yeah, that's what I'm thinking of That's what I'm thinking of Oh yep. yeah, That is such a bad track <laughs> Hey, okay. I don't mind that song better than this
1: uh, yeah so you've got some of those other elements in there you've, you've got this like a sort of steel drum keyboard sound you've got these like organ chords that sort of splat on beat four that's kind of nice there's some nice like interplay as well between like he's playing this clean guitar and he's plucking it really hard on the strings that with the rim click as well there's a nice interplay going on between all the, the band instruments so to speak and I think there's some good dynamics in it as well, like each verse, sometimes they're louder verses, sometimes he pulls the verse back a bit and it's kind of softer and a bit less instrumentation in the background, so it has some nice variation. And I find the chorus is kind of fun, you know, the the extra vocals come in to open it up a bit, and it's it's kind of a nursery rhyme, kind of catchy kind of chorus, so it's fun to listen to, I do enjoy it when it comes on. There's a weird bassy synth, like sort of squelchy sound at 2 minutes 46, it's, it's hidden in the background, it's kind of weird that it's there, but... There you go. There's something to go and listen for. Mm. Uh, The guitar solo, you know, I originally wrote an unremarkable guitar solo, and I said the same thing Captain said. I said, I don't know whether he's deliberately trying to make it sound a bit (laughs) B-great or whether he's not taking it all that seriously. But I listened back to it again today, and I thought, you know what? I really like that guitar solo. It's very, like Captain said, it's very different. There's a lot of natural bends, and he bends them in different ways to the way he normally does. But I can almost imagine he's playing it on a guitar and the strings are quite loose and it gives him a bit more flexibility to, to bounce around on them and, and um, twist them. So it's definitely a very different kind of solo, but it's interesting because you don't know is he trying to make it sound a bit cheesy or is he just running with this idea and it sounds kind of interesting. So. Like this. I um, mean, I like the ending say, as well. I just want to say this
2: song reminds me of that Kenny Rogers song on Originals. It sounds like <laughs> he's. Oh, yeah. It sounds like. He, no, it's in the way that it sounds like he's done almost everything he can to make it not sound like him. Like the guitar yeah. solo sounds nothing like him. The way he sings, it doesn't sound like him. That awful echo is not something he would do, the delay. And like yeah. the steel it's drum almost sounds. It's like,
1: like, okay, I'm going to replicate like a cruise ship band <laughs> playing a song on a cruise ship and the guitar's trying to do these bendy solos and everything. And
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so different.
1: Uh, and I like the ending where it's just the bass and the vocal and it just kind of, you know, the bass keeps going and it just sort of stops. It's a nice ending. But yes, I mean, it's It's very easy to sort of pass through this one and skip it, but when it does come on, it is a, a fun, enjoyable track. But, I mean, it's certainly not, I mean, there's no way you could put this song on 99 or Controversy or Purple Rain. Like, there's no way it's up to that level when you think about it, really. I mean, it's fun for what it is. You know, it would have made a good track to give to another artist to do. So. Kenny.
3: <laughs> do you like Pina Colada? <laughs> <laughs> Getting caught in the rain.
2: Yep.
4: <laughs> oh what is happening to this show <laughs> <laughs> oh we Timothy should all be on a, years of this show yeah we <laughs> should we should all be on a cruise ship somewhere i think gee i mean after turn it up and you're all i want you, you'd think i'd be in completely in love with this song wouldn't you but um surprisingly <laughs> this reggae tinged number is as player said surprisingly or maybe unsurprisingly unprincely sounding I mean, you couldn't say he was listening to Bob Marley or Jimmy Cliff or uh, anyone along those lines, or Peter Tosh. I mean, he was certainly in a different sort of space, more like a Jimmy Buffett or a 10cc for sure. But it's fine, I guess. The thing that I love about it and is really enjoyable to listen to, especially on headphones, is the foolish drum sound. More often than not, when Prince plays the drums, even when it's nice to hear, it's not particularly full. And so here are the toms. They've got a little bit of weight. Now, don't get me wrong. It ain't Michael B. um, sounding, but they've got a (laughs) bit more weight than you would normally hear Prince playing the drums on record. So I like that. And it does sound like a band, even though, you know, Are You Sitting Down? It's one guy. He lives in Minneapolis. So (laughs) that's also, and that joke will probably never get old. um, It's nice. That's probably the best word. And I struggle to describe this song outside of just a nice, pleasant listen it's probably more for those with a keen interest into Prince's versatility and his playfulness as a songwriter rather than really anything serious that is worth its weight in gold. You know, it's no surprise that this stayed off uh, 1999. certainly wouldn't fit on the album, and it's no surprise that it didn't show up anywhere else. I do think that with some helpful female vocals, which it does have, it's, although they're subtle, it's not a bad track. But my question to you guys is, do you take this or Sun, Moon, and Stars off Rave?
1: Sun, Moon, and Stars. There you go, right? A great song. Kills
4: it, right? Do you take this or a Pop Go to Zipper? Pop Go to yeah. Zipper.
1: Well
4: there you go. You know, do you take this or blue light? Blue light. Blue so light. it's like the reason I'm I'm going into that kind of space, uh, asking you guys those questions is in the catalogue of Prince doing some sort of reggae tinged music. This is one of the lesser cuts, without a doubt, in a genre that he doesn't Oy. particularly excel at. So,
1: Or well, you could say it's the fourth
3: best reggae track <laughs> so he ever did.
4: <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, it's nice. Like I said, it contains promise, but I think it's more of an idea, again, than, than anything else, which is ironic because it does also sound like it's a completed track, but it didn't come out on Crystal Ball 2. It came out on this, we have to say, and I'm... Happy that it did because it's another unreleased Prince track that we can play when we're in the mood to have a bit of a cocktail and a good time, supposedly. But the last thing, and I don't, a pina, I'm a surprised. Pina That's it. A pina colada and a good time. Yeah, exactly. What a, and some shrimp. Some ganja. <laughs> yeah. Potato chips. Exactly. So I'll finish my thoughts on this song with another question to you guys. I picked up. I think this is an unintentional similarity. Right at the end of this track, there's a little guitar bit that Prince plays that is very, very reminiscent of a song called Blinded by the Light, which all of you will know. Great classic power pop Mm. there. Um, Did you guys pick that up? Because it reminds me of the Blinded by the Light guitar solo. Uh, And if you haven't... that's the track, but that's not the guitar bit that I'm talking about. So listen, <laughs> listen to that song if you didn't catch it the first time and uh, you might be pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised.
2: <laughs> people who like this song probably love You're My Love as well by Kenny.
4: That's a very good observation and if that you, is probably if you say true. <laughs> that,
2: if you say people who like this song like his you know, versatility or whatever, then they'll love You're My Love. They should love this too.
4: Yep. There you go. Now, that's a party, isn't it? You're my love combined with If It'll Make You Happy. There's there's a good time. (laughs) There is a good time for your end of year Christmas party. (laughs) Moving on to the next song, another one that many Prince fans and, in fact, many music lovers around the world know, this track. But this is another version of the song, track number 13, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, Mm. Take Two. i'm super keen to hear your thoughts because we've spoken about this song many times over the years but not in this particular form this is longer than the b-side version what do you guys think i'll hand it over to player this is friggin' amazing it's
0: interesting that this is take two and i've questioned what was finally used was it take one or was there a take three and four but it raises the question if it was the first take that he used what was it in that track initially that he didn't like that made him to do a second take do you know what i mean or does he just normally do a couple of takes so it's just yeah interesting that this is the second take um this is very piano and mic in its intimacy and rawness it's devoid of all those overdubs that was on the final track so you're just getting really Prince and the mic for this around uh 247 and i think there's another point in the song around 339 where it's even more audible i hear him sniffling his nose and i like that they they left all that stuff in there that's really cool i love the way that prince plays piano and the contrast he uses by playing you know very soft but then he hits the keys really hard in sections to accent the groove so even though it's like a bluesy ballad it has its own funk swing within it and i really love how he plays You know, and the attack that he does on the keys. Um, The vocal gymnastics are unbelievable. Um, Listening to this isolated is absolute bliss. And another interesting element is the fact that this version has a proper ending, whereas on the release version, it has the fade out. So I love the fact that you hear him finish the song in those last three or four seconds and, you know, they kept that all in. The released original version, if you want to call it that, is still mind-blowing, but this this just gives it another layer of the icing of the cake. So I, I love this.
4: It's fantastic. All right. That's one thumbs up. Let's see if we can make it to toe jam.
1: Yeah, this is really good. Um, I did not expect it to be better or on par with the original B side version. Cause you kind of think, obviously you would think they would put out the, the better of the two, but I mean, it's hard to say that this one's not better. Uh, I think, He's a bit more experimental with his vocal in this one. I think the the main thing that might be just that he, he stays on that one chord for quite a while towards the end of the song, and that that might be the reason, but I love that part when he stays on that one chord. It's like real tense, and he's like, uh, you know, just one lousy dime, and how much you charging, and all this sort of stuff, and he's, he's getting intense. <laughs> um, the sound quality on this one, like the International Lover, is pristine. It just sounds beautiful. I guess it's just two mics, you know, one on the piano, one on the mic, and it just sounds so good. Um, He plays the opening piano chords, I think he's playing them in a different octave than he does on the B-side version. It's a slight difference again. All right, I want to talk about this chord progression. I talked about this when we did the B-side version way, 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 way back. And I'm guessing not many people have heard that episode for a while. But I love the chord progression in the verse for this because it's really just a variation on a very, very traditional, famous kind of chord progression. Yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, he just twists it enough to give it some spice. So, you know, he very... I got my piano here, everybody. Uh, Ready, Mr. Music? uh, He could have very easily...
2: (laughs) This is going back to the olden days when you used to do this. Yeah, Yeah, it's
1: been a while. Uh, So, yeah, he very easily could have played this chord progression like this. Everyone knows that chord progression in a million, million songs. So what does he do? He's going to tweak it a bit. Uh, so the second chord, instead of going down to the minor six, he goes to the A and makes it an augmented chord. So you get this. Oh, that's tasty, isn't it? <laughs> okay, but he keeps going. He makes the the um the four chord the major. He turns that into a major seven. A bit more spice to it. So now we got. one more change that he makes, and I think this is great. He makes the five chord a sus chord. So what it basically means is you've got the C sharp in every chord. The C sharp's there. It's in that one. It's in this one. And it's in this one now. Keeps that as a sus chord. So that's, oh man, so good. So clever. And then one more thing he does to it is he just tweaks that rhythm, just like he did when um we were at the opera house. And he, he started talking about this song. And he started talking about how the, you know the rhythm and the syncopation and the offbeats and all this kind of stuff. That was... Wasn't that just one of the greatest moments in Prince Live history? We were all there for that show, weren't we? That one? Yep. Where he starts, yeah, just, oh man, so good. Just having goosebumps thinking about that now. But yeah, so the whole chord progression, you know, goes from...
2: So much more interesting.
1: So much more interesting.
2: You know, it's it's hard to believe that he didn't start with those four chords and he's like, how can yeah. I twist this just enough so it's not <laughs> recognisable? <laughs> yeah. it. That's yeah. got to be the way he did it. There's no way exactly. he just came up with those four chords out of nowhere. He had to have started with, this is <laughs> yeah. the most basic thing ever. Now let's twist it and twist it and twist it and there you go.
1: Yeah. It's like he's going he's gonna to make a 60s kind of... Um, pop song, but he just wants to add a little bit of spice to it, just twist it a bit mm. so it's recognisable that feel is recognisable, but it's just kind of off-kilter, you know, just gives it that princely feel to it mm. so yeah, I love this song, I love this version um, I really can't split the difference between these two versions, I think if anything this one might just be a little bit better because I think he's a bit more he tries a few more different things and he when he stays on that sus chord for ages it's like, oh man, it's tense, it's good so this is outstanding, and again this is one that I, I don't think anyone had heard this before uh, I'd never heard it, obviously. I don't think you guys knew it existed. So it's stuff like this that's in the vault that just your mind starts to wonder what else is in the vault like this. It's crazy. Yeah.
4: Well, Toy first of all, thank you for those musical examples. Um, yeah, ooh, there you go. All right, we've got our very own Paul Schaefer in the house. And <laughs> it's the late-night band here at the Peach and Black podcast. But one of the real interesting things about what you – you just showed us, and then Captain's follow-up comment to, you know, Prince sitting down at the piano and coming up with that variation and thinking, no, I don't want to do the norm. I don't want to do what everyone else does. And then he ends up with what everyone just heard and what's on the record and, and what's on this particular take. But the interesting thing to me is that very often with musicians, especially musicians of a high caliber, they will do that sort of stuff where they tweak a melody, or they tweak chordal structure just slightly, right? And it, it'll work. But often you need to be not necessarily a scholar, but it helps if you're a muso to get it right. If you're listening to, I don't know, free jazz or you know, really sophisticated instrumental music and that sort of stuff, and you're into that, you can pick it up. But I think the brilliance of Prince is that when he makes those changes, that it is also pleasing to the ear. So it's not just that it's musically interesting or creative or sophisticated but it actually works for the general listener and that is not simple to do because it might sound simple but he just when he pulls that stuff off it either turns into an earworm or a melody that everyone just thinks is as normal as as anything else but the reality is that there's always something just slight and we we've said this so often over the years there's always something slightly different or just slightly off kilter or slightly to the left of or right of what you'd expect that makes it unique. But the key thing is, it's like it needs to be pleasing. And this take two does plenty of that, but what it also does is the emotion. This is like the emotional version of this song for me, versus the original B-side that everyone is so familiar with is way more of a polished, and it's much more presented as a, as a digestible piece. Whereas I think... Do we get closer to the real Prince to some degree here? Do we get closer to what he was really feeling? I'd like to think so. So this is awesome. And I think you can hear it in his keys. Or let me rephrase that. His hands actually banging on their keys. Do you guys hear like he's hitting on this take a little bit harder? Everything's just coming off with a bit more volume. He leaves a little bit more of himself at the piano uh, with this take two version. He turns it into more of a jam. Yeah, of course. But... Towards the end, like his voice, he's really hitting home how much he's feeling, whatever it is that he is feeling. And I, for one, got a little bit teary-eyed towards the end because it reminded me of his brilliance. And it reminded me partially of what Jam said when he was doing this song on the piano and mic tour that all four of us were in the same room for. And I do get a bit emotional thinking about it, like, you know, just missing the guy and missing his musical creativity he's his genius really so he ends this on a sad plaintive note as well you know i'm not doing this intentionally because my review's starting to sound a bit sad and plaintive i know but um over the years toe has said isn't it funny how prince will never finish a song in the traditional way or in the way that you'd suspect and he does it again here um i don't know if you're going to do a musical example for us toe putting you on the spot by the way but um he just it's an unresolved is it unresolved I can't remember now but it's a it's definitely plaintive that final note the way he finishes this song yeah it's melancholic for sure a great run through of this track those are my thoughts there can only be one man on this show to bring this down let's hope he doesn't do it (laughs) captain (laughs) captain
2: Uh, oh okay then I've got to do what's expected then (laughs) but this is oh here we go this uh, this song, uh, it's something we never thought we would hear. I mean, it never even entered our brain that it existed. That's the crazy thing about it. Everyone said it's a very different take. It's funny to me to think that the release version that we all know, word for word, note for note, was just one take. But for us, it's like set in stone. That's, you know, <laughs> even though it's a B-side, you know, that's the album version. That's the studio version but to him it was just a single take it's not like a song he worked on and he did 50 different tracks with overdubs and vocals and everything else and he worked on it for ages this was literally you know six minutes one time but for us it's like this is it this is the version and that still just blows me away that we've taken a single live take and then you put that in the list of all the other Prince songs which he worked on for days or weeks to get perfect and this was just one take that just still blows Mm. me away
4: which he decided to release, by the way. So he must have thought something of it, right, when he made oh, it yeah. a B-side back in '82.
2: I mean, this unknown take just comes along, and you just like, what? Play said there? there could be more takes and different versions. It's just funny when you think about it that the version we know so well was just one run through out of possibly many. But to us, it's but like, there
0: is overdubs
2: on it. Is there? On the B-side version. The vocals. Yeah, there's some vocals.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. He goes, How
0: come you don't? Uh, ah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. too, you know, like
0: when he goes down on my knees, begging me, please, please. And then it goes, Ooh, that, Ooh, there's uh, like yeah, uh, yeah. like a three or four vocals there there on is that. a bit, yeah. Like there is overdubs, yeah
1: couldn't help himself. <laughs> just like the One Night Alone album and the Truth album. Overproduction. <laughs> over oh, my God, he can't Silver help
2: But, I mean,
0: like, like, that's a testament. Like, you guys don't even notice it. Like, you think it's just the one thing, but there is these subtle things in there just to enhance it. So, mm. he, does, he did, like, tinker with it a little bit, but it is there, you know.
2: But this version doesn't have any, does it? This is just straight. No, it through. doesn't have any of that. Yeah. yeah. I think the original version that we all know, it's just so well-known that this second take might seem you know it's new and different now and some people will say this one's better and some people say the other one's better but i think it would literally take another 30 years of listening to this version before we could even make that decision you can't do it
4: that's a really good point you kind of brought up something similar earlier but you're so right because it's ingrained in our memory so like everything is going to be not the original version, not what we're used to, right? So there's no way anyone is going to get used to this in a week or a month or even a year, probably.
2: No, it's going to take a long time. Every time he played this live, he always opened it up as
1: well. Like, he'd always go on some little tangent, and and no version was ever the same. Every time he played it live, it was always different. It always explored different things, and, yeah, it's one of those cool tracks where he could do that. You know, he couldn't. He he didn't just play it like, oh, he's verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's like, well, I might stretch this bit here, I might add a little bit of groove here or whatever and it just it was always open
2: that's what's cool about it captain i mean what could you say it's good it's great it's a fair bit longer than the original but then player said before the original actually fades out so who knows how long that even went for that could have yeah. been another two minutes anyway so that's interesting to think about i mean you can hear his foot on the floor throughout the whole thing that's cool and he does yeah. play around with the form of the song a bit more. He keeps repeating that bit around four minutes, which he doesn't do in the other version. And it's cool. You know, you've got a big 40 seconds of outro as well. But it's a great inclusion on this set. It's an alternate version to a track we've known forever. Oh, not to mention the sound quality is insane. It sounds so good. Let's Let's end on a positive. There we go. It sounds great.
4: <laughs> well, what a way to close out this vault disc. Yeah super cool and uh with that we go into disc four which is the second disc of unreleased material the opening cut on this is a song that you may have already heard on the purple rain deluxe edition but this is an earlier version the song is called possessed And we're about to get into this one. What an opener for this disc, I'll just start by saying. And I'll hand it over to Mr. Toe Jam.
1: All right, so there's a few different versions of this song. As we know, there's this version. There's the one, the first officially released version was the live version on the Syracuse VHS. There's also, this is as an instrumental kind of thing in the background of the Purple Rain Rain movie movie, at one point. And then there was the version released uh, in 2017 on the Purple Rain Deluxe set. I think this is the definitive one. I first heard this on the Jewelbox Volume 1. I think this was possibly even the first studio bootleg like, I heard. Like I've known this one for a while. Um, I mean, this is a great funk-pop song with great James Brown kind of themes to it. The only thing that stopped this song, I think, is that it's, it is very similar to the 1999 song. It's got a very, very similar... Rhythm to it, that mm, dun 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 dun, that thing. You know, it's also used in Rock and Roll Love Affair. It's also used in Mia Bocker, And it's on this one. Also, you've got the bass lines just like the same in 1999. It's that bump 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 bump, just saying on the one. And I think that's the sole reason why this song didn't get released back in the day properly because it's just, it's too similar to 1999, which is a shame because it's, even though it's got those elements, it's a very cool track. Uh, like I said, very James Brown. You know, I kind of imagine James Brown as a kind of possessed kind of person when he got on the dance floor in front of the mic and Prince was kind of the same. And uh, even though he's talking about women, I think there's kind of a, an element of the being possessed by the music as well. The rhythm guitar in this is so good all the way through. Just listen to that rhythm guitar. Prince was a master at rhythm guitar. I think him and Niall Rogers just, they're the kings of that 80s pop rhythm, clean guitars just sounds so good. Always doing little interesting bits and things to it. Yeah, okay. So this has a um, a lead line, dun, 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 which is a very, very Prince thing to do. Four, three, one, seven. Mixolydian sound again, used in Sugar Walls. Ah, um, all my notes. Yeah. <laughs> Heaps of songs. That, that little lit riff happens so often. Yeah, like I said, I think that the one that was released on the 2017 Purple Rain Deluxe Edition, I think that's kind of like a reworking of this one. And again, I think it's because Prince was worried that this version was too similar to 1999. So he tried to make it a bit more kind of oriental and a bit more mysterious. And I don't think that version on Purple Rain Deluxe, is, as it is kind of mysterious, but it's not as good as, as this one. This, this is just some more straight pop funk.
2: You know what? I listened to that version on Purple Rain Deluxe yesterday just to compare it. And within like the first minute, I was thinking, have I even listened to this before? It was just totally gone mm. out of my head. And I was listening to it, and I'm like, "Wow, listen to this." This goes back to the same thing I said before about I know this version very well, and then that version on Purple Rain mm. Deluxe, I probably listened to it four or five times when it came out, and that was it. And it just didn't stick mm. in my head at all. So it was just weird listening to it. I
1: was worried when that came out. I was worried that they would never release this version because it's like this one's definitely superior. It's just, oh it's, yeah, it's more the song. Like it's the other one's like it's the song, but it's tweaked. Mm. Yeah, but there's two big breakdowns in this. It breaks it right down, down to the kick drum, and then the rhythm guitar keeps playing in, and four on the floor. It's just really cool, really fun. Um, And it goes for a while. And that uh, rhythm guitar he's playing again, it's in the key of E from memory, and it's similar to what he was playing around 2007, 2008, when they used to do um, Come Together, and they would break it down with just, you know, four to the four... Goodness um, me! <laughs> and Prince was playing <laughs> that rhythm guitar, you know, and come together. I'm thinking of um, the Coachella show, among many others, in that era, where he was doing that kind of thing. So, yeah, this song, the rhythm guitar and the funk—that's what it is. Such a good song. It's—I uh, don't think it's as good as Irresistible Bitch or Turn It Up or Feel You Up, perhaps, but it's still very fun, very Prince, uh, and it's good. It's funky.
2: It's funky.
4: Yeah, that was a great review, Ty Jam. You are never going first again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got two words left at the moment to say Possessed and print. Oh hang on, no, let me the- take it oh, Let me oh, take it oh, Because oh. there. there's some cool stabs <laughs>
1: I'm possessed Beep. Cool stabs
0: you got your keyboard there Blasted <laughs>
3: I'm
1: possessed
4: Nothing <laughs> like that That sounded like bloody f- The opening of Karma Chameleon <laughs> 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 I mean, we are on that cruise ship and oh, we're all sipping what? pina coladas, so we might as well play <laughs> that too.
3: <laughs> You're not pina <pretty> colada.
4: Okay. <laughs> Awful. Jeez. <laughs> Back with the show. There's not a lot left, really, for me, but I'll quickly go and then I'll hand it over. Okay. The beginning of Possessed reminds me a little bit of the beginning to the Dance Electric, just slightly. Doodle that's the one. The synth chords early in this track and throughout, as Toe Jam said, are very reminiscent of the ones on the song 1999. And it's good that this song didn't make the album and 1999 did, I think, because it would have been too much of the same. Uh, I love this groove. The beat, the Hone guitar rhythms. Yes, Prince and Niall, they are both gods as far as uh, rhythm guitar playing um, I'd probably add a couple of the P-Funk and also the people who are part of the James Brown Academy into that mix. But they're not, there's not a whole lot tighter than these two. And um, there's some good lyrics here too. Some pretty self-explanatory lyrics about being obsessed with a person or music. The breakdown at 4.36 is the shit. The Bobby Z step on it. Uh, 4.51 is also a part that he did like to do in live shows. But again, breakdown, guitar, bass, drums. But here in this studio track, it's got those breakdown elements that you don't normally hear in studio performances. They are plentiful when you look at Prince's live career, but in studio tracks, he did this fairly rarely. There are traces of ice cream castles on top of this. I know that, or underneath it, depending on your perspective. I know, Toe Jam, you said sugar balls, but I hear a bit of ice cream castles here too. The keyboards really shine on this. There's a lot of extra beats that he plays around with. The fat bass and synth occasionally gives it a bit of a, a real, real underlayer of a funky vibe. Isolated keyboard line. Check that one out. Seven minutes. I think it's exactly the seven minute mark. That is super, super reminiscent of that Sugar Walls thing that we were mentioning before. And then the guitar break again. Coachella. So I won't go into it. Come together at Coachella, that is. And you can hear more of that at our uh, upcoming Coachella review where we, we go into all that uh, on a future Peach and Black Plus episode. But um, Tojem, what, what else can I say? You got this one. It's a hole-in-one.
1: I've, I've just had my mind blown. I've always assumed that this was recorded after the song 1999, but I just checked. This one was recorded in May 82, and the j- 1999 songs was recorded in like, July-August 82. So this actually precedes the song 1999. That's mind-blowing to me because I always heard it the other way around.
4: Crazy. Well, those 9099 chords, they're on here, right? Yeah, that rhythm. He reused them. Yeah. Uh, Take it away, Captain.
2: Oh. Okay, then. Another classic from the early years, the Minneapolis sound in the making. Again, this is a song I've known for a very long time, and the version on Purple Rain Deluxe is quite different to this, and I much prefer this one. And that's possibly because I've lived with it for a long time. I don't know another great drum programming track i mean just listen to that machine listen to it and you got classic synth lines and synth stabs like toe jam said you got that big synth stab on the two in the chorus it's just so good and you know this song is almost nine minutes long i won't go through every single thing uh 152 there's a nice little breakdown with the finger snaps and some nice falsetto lines and then straight back into the funk and this pounding bass and it's I'm pretty sure it's that same controversy era bass synth sound that squelchy thing it sounds exactly the same. Uh, you got some cool backing vocals 232 to 242. There's funky little rhythm guitar throughout a lot of this track. It's you don't always hear it. It just sort of comes out here and there. It's buried in the mix, but it just adds when other things go quiet. You can hear it, so it just fills in what's whatever's not there. It's cool. Uh, I love the little bass notes he sings at 327 and 344. Listen to that. That is very cool. Uh, Some cool synth bits, 401 and 409. 435, you hear the guitar again doing its funky thing. Then the kick drum comes in. Listen to that funk and that bass. And again, that squelchy synth from Controversies there as well. I I know I'm, I'm not big on lyrics, but 514, he sings the lyrics, fucked up in my head. So... That caught my ear for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, out of all the lyrics in this song, that's the one thing that stood out to me. Because, <laughs> who knows why? Who knows why? Uh, we got these synth it's and drums. It's because he's possessed. Exactly. We got these synth and drum smashes about 527. It's all going crazy. Then you get a breakdown, drums and synths. 730, guitar comes back in. Play some funky stuff. It's really nice. Uh, and then we're just about done. So this is just another classic early years, you know, Minneapolis sound on this set. Again, one of the best tracks on this set. This is top five. Uh, And as I said earlier, I really feel people aren't giving these classics the props they deserve simply because they don't have the novelty of being totally unheard. You know, this is the Minneapolis sound. It's born, you know, it's right here at the Genesis. It's just just bloody classic. That's all I got to say
4: classics it's being born in front of our eyes in exactly. front of our ears exactly it's a capsule back in time uh player what do you think about "Possessed" this version
0: exactly what you guys have said it's like the brother sister of 1999 or the template however you want to look at it and here's a song with two completely different versions that sound very different much like irresistible pitch but they're both brilliant in their own right but this one's a lot slower in the tempo than the um the one that's on Purple Rain Deluxe. And again, it's another laid-back version. A lot like the uh, the others on this um, Vault Tracks disc. Um, the guitars chugging along are a highlight. We've all mentioned that. The synth lead line is really cool. And again, towards the end, there's that interplay between the guitar, the synth, the bass. It's amazing. And the guitar breakdown from 731 right up until the end. I mean, forget it. Yeah, this is a real gem. I really like this. Even though it goes for eight minutes, it doesn't feel like it drags at all. It just feels like it's a shorter song, and it's like, oh, my God, it's it's really cool. I'm really happy we have this in this quality. Yeah. Mm. We've got both possessed now
4: in the good quality. So, thank you. Bang. All right, from an opening track which, let's just call it unheard, unreleased, to track number two, a song that we all know very well and love, but this is the full version. Of course, I'm talking about Delirious. Delirious. The full version. <laughs> Take it away, Captain.
2: (laughs) So, I like Delirious, and we reviewed the song on our 1999 album review years ago. So, I'm really just talking about the extended part, which goes from about four minutes onwards. And there's really not much to it. I mean, there's some nice backing vocals. There's some a bit more synth stuff. You get a few big claps from the Lindrum. There's some good harmonies on the backing vocals too. But if anyone doesn't know, uh, I like bass. And my favorite part in this song is like descending slap bass bits. There's one at 503 and there's one at 536. And every time I hear it, I just laugh. Because it's just, it's funny. It makes me laugh. (laughs) It's comedic. Just the way it appears. I don't even know how to explain it. It's very Larry Graham, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's just bam, 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 bam. And every time I just laugh. It's just funny to me. Um, but there's really not much else to say. I mean, the first two-thirds of the song is exactly the same, except I think at one point he says something like, want to dance, which yeah. I don't think is in the album version. I didn't go and check it, but when I heard it, I'm like, ooh, what's that? But, yeah, so there's really not much to say because we're only talking about two minutes of, pretty much just instrumental so that's that's it i like it it's good i'm glad we've got the full version you can see why it was cut down because you know 1999 was this massive double album and it was already packed and i'm guessing two minutes off this meant two minutes of something else so
4: there you go all right yeah i mean there's not a huge difference right i mean you've you've pretty much covered it all captain it's a slightly longer intro very slight oh yeah a little bit longer Basically, the same song. Now, I'm going to say something. It'd be interesting to hear your reaction to this, everyone. But uh, would it be blasphemy to actually say what I'm about to say on this show? It goes contrary to basically everything I've said in the past.
3: Oh, here <laughs> we go.
0: I know where you're going because this is in my notes. I know Let's where you're going. You with
4: this. Let's see if you do. Let's see if you do. I. I <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Come on, brace myself. I don't Um, know. Let's white
4: knuckle to my desk. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about to go down now. Over the years, I am not the only. I'm I'm not the only one that's actually said this. All of us, I think, over the years, have made these comments. And the comment is: Why would you ever want to listen to a shorter version (laughs) of a Prince song when you can listen to the full or extended version? Right? You'd have to be crazy to want to hear less music. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe these words are about to be uttered out of my mouth, but I think I actually prefer the album version to this by a long shot.
0: Ooh. It's a lot snappier, yeah.
4: Is that what you thought I was going to say, player?
0: No, I thought you were going to go down some Frankenstein. <laughs> okay. No no, no,
3: no.
4: No, this is, this is basically... The album release is perfect. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. It hits you in the face, slaps you around. It's just like a perfect pop track. Well, perfect new wave Minneapolis sound pop track. But this, I'm not going to say the full version overstays its welcome because it doesn't. It's great listening all the way through. But that extra couple of minutes, it kind of meanders and repeats to the point where I don't really need to hear it. And so... I just never thought I'd be the one to say it, but I guess I just did. <laughs> so, Player, what, what were you going to say? Okay, so on the
0: surface, you could say this is just a longer version of the album track, and you could say they just cut it from six to four minutes to make it fit on this big, sprawling double album. But there are some noticeable differences, and I don't know if it's because it's a slightly different version or it's the way it's mixed. Because there are things that I picked up in it, like in the chorus and the second verses, and even towards the back end of the song, you can hear Prince snapping his fingers, which he's mm. snapping them along with the, the beat. And it's more audible in this version than the release version. And there seems to be, to my ears, less vocal overdubs in the background vocals than the release version. So I don't know if it's been worked on it just a little bit more or if they've mixed this completely differently. Because there's things that, it just sounds a bit different to the release version other than the, the length of the track. And uh, to Captain's Delight, the baby is retained at the closer of the song. So there you have it.
2: Is it? Yeah, the baby's there. I didn't even notice that. I was just about to say... <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say... I was just about to say what MC was saying about, you know, the album version's better. And I was about to say, I'd rather have two minutes more of not much than hear that damn baby but now you say the baby's on there. How Can't did I listen. miss that? I don't even know.
1: You, you know what's funny about that baby is it, it's clearly from like a sample yes, record. It's or something.
0: a standard yeah, it sample. Yeah. a scratch to it. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Ah, it's a stock, I hate it. I hate
3: stock
4: it. Stock <laughs> <laughs> All right, Toe Jam, round this one out for us.
1: I don't have anything more to add. I think this version's actually been circulating for a very long time in very good quality, I might add. Yeah. So... This to me is sort of nothing new. I uh, mean, it's a great song. Go back and listen to our album review. We all we all lavished over it. It's cool. It's funky. It's bluesy. The, the expanded portion doesn't really add anything to me. It just kind of goes through the song more. That, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, I agree. I, I think the edited version is better. I don't think this extra two minutes really adds anything to the song. And we you know we although we say why would you want to listen to a shorter version? There are other times where we say stuff like this song goes on a minute or two too long. And I think this might be a candidate. And this is one of the reasons, obviously probably a more coherent reason was that they wanted to fit more music onto the 1999 first side. But, you know, an equal reason is that, well, this is kind of just kind of treading water here at this point. So it doesn't really need to be there. So I don't have anything more to add. I mean, it's fun. It's great. But yeah, I'm happy it was edited as well. (gasps) Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah, because can you imagine if they put this version on the album, and then they release a CD. DMSR would be off, and then another track just to accommodate mm. the, the length of this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably a good decision that they had, no. So <laughs> it's it's probably a good idea that they did what they did.
1: Ninety ninety nine has a lot of songs that are you know pushing the five, six, seven, eight minute mark, nine minute mark in some cases.
2: When I think about it, the only problem I've got with even putting this full version of Delirious on this deluxe edition is. Where's uh, DMSR, the alternate mix? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would much rather have had that on this
4: set than an extra two minutes of not much happening in Delirious. That is a good point, and that would have been great. But the other thing that just hit me, as you said, the comment you just made, why is this not on disc number two of this set?
1: Because it wasn't officially released. Yeah two, everything on disc two was previously released. So yeah, okay, been. okay. Yeah. Even well.
4: the video
2: edits technically were released on video.
0: <laughs> well the thing that that's stupid is on the second disc there's the seven inch edit, so that's a two minute version. Then you have the album version, then you have this. It's like, come on, like you've hmm. given us like the same song three times at three different lengths in three different edits, you know. Yeah. So
4: it's just
2: well like, they did on. they forgot to put the delirious mono 7-inch edit on there
4: full length <laughs> full length delirious mono 7-inch edit and they've also Remix missed so the special like, mix <laughs>
2: so so if anybody wants to bring up the line about being completist by having all the edits and everything well there's some pretty <laughs> obvious holes in that argument but anyway that's for another day let's yes. let's move on <laughs> it's awful <laughs>
4: All right, that's track number two Let's go on to the next track Which is Purple Music I don't want to overdo this Or over-promote this next part of the show But I think it's no secret To the other three of us That one of the people on this panel Maybe may just be a, quite a big fan of this little piece of music. Oh, uh, medium, medium. Medium fan. Strange medium but rare true. Fan <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, yeah, that's right. 11 minutes worth, almost, of Purple Music. This was recorded May 22nd, 1982, just a few weeks shy of his 24th birthday, can you believe? And to open up this review, I can only be handing the mic over to Captain. I mean player <laughs> I mean toe jab the floor what? is yours
3: uh.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> If you must
1: All right so any subject any key purple music will be judged it happens naturally Yeah mm. All right so uh, I'm going to try and not say everything but yeah this is this song is fucking awesome <laughs> I'm using explicit language straight up that's what it is Yeah <laughs> Okay so I first heard this on the jewel box volume 1 um, however, that version faded out at like six minutes. To me, that's what the song was for years and years and years. And then a few years later, I did get the longer version somewhere along the line. And there's a few different mixes of this song in the bootleg circles. And then now this full length version, supposedly with everything in it, is out there. And it sounds great. Quality sounds super crisp. Okay, so I'd always assumed that this was the prototype to all the critics in New York, but it's actually the other way around. Purple music was recorded after all the critics a couple of months later, which is interesting. It's very hard to split the difference between these two songs. I think All the Critics is probably um, maybe suits the album better in that it's not too over the top, whereas this one is very much over the top, and, and this on 1999 could have just been way too much. But I think if you're just picking them individually, I think Purple Music's the better one. In on terms of the 1999 album, I think All the Critics probably fits better on the album. There is a um, a piano rehearsal circulating from Prince in, I don't know, late 81, early 82 sometime, And it's just him jamming for ages. And I remember listening to that, and suddenly he gets stuck on this groove. And you're like, that's a cool groove. It sort of sounds familiar. What is that? And then he starts whispering some of these lyrics. Actually, they're not lyrics at first. Just sort of start scatting. And it suddenly hits you. It's like, oh, man, he's starting to – this is him working out purple music on the piano, assumingly for the first time because it's this big, long piano rehearsal where he just kind of does all this different stuff. And at some point, he gets stuck on this groove, and it turns into purple music. And then obviously he's inspired by that and he's like, right, to the studio, let's put this down with the lindrums, the guitars, the bass, the vocals, everything. And this is what it is. Wow. So the chorus, uh, don't need no river, don't need cocaine, purple music does the same to my brain, uh, was occasionally sung during the piano and microphone tour in 2016. Yeah. uh, Though often with more of a sort of generic funk groove backing, not the usual chords that I'll get into later. And apparently, from what I've read, the set lists that he would write out uh, more on his little um, iPad or whatever it was that he had, the song was titled Welcome to the Freedom Galaxy, which is very interesting. Sort of, what? Isn't it The song called Purple Music? So it makes you wonder, was Prince working on this song before he passed, and was it potentially slated for uh, something like Black is the New Black or Hit and Run Phase 3 or something like that? Yeah. We'll never know, I guess.
3: Mm.
1: All right, over specifically to the song, the recording now. There's so many elements that I'm going to say in this that really project the idea the feeling of being high and he does that in so many different musical ways which i'll I'll sort of get into so okay so straight up you've got like this false start you know the beat starts and then it stops and it starts Mm. again and stops again which is he does that on songs like america on uh jack bitch on the versace experience as we know songs like clouds and a bunch of other songs he does that sort of false start thing the vocal all the way through the main vocal has this like slight kind of trebly bullhorn effect so it's kind of in the background. It's it's in the forefront, but it's kind of this trebly kind of sound. And he's really breathing out that vocal, you know. Da, 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 da. yeah.
2: Uh,
1: and the beat, the lindrum beat is just so relentless. It's so monotonous. And then the contrast between that heaviness with the sort of laid back breathy vocals is really cool. All right, I'm going to get into the chord. So I was talking to Captain about this when he was up here. This song to me is like, you remember those um, 3D kind of arty- pictures that you used to get back in the 90s, and if you twisted your eyes a certain way, oh, it would like, reverse and you could see them as 3D. Magic, magic Eye, magic. I think that yeah. A sailboat. Yeah. And if you did, so <laughs> you could, I remember with those, you could do something with your eye and it would kind of reverse the image. So like what was in the foreground is in the background yeah. now. Yep. This song is like that in the respect that this song is in two keys at once. It's basically in G7 sus, the bass line. You know, that's a real G kind of sound. But then just about everything else in the song is in F major. You know, the, uh, the melody. Yeah. Um, this little line that, you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's F major. Uh, you got, you know, nice little F sus chords running all the way through it. So it's like this mix between these two chords that are so close together. Uh, kind of jazzy, kind of uh, yeah, thing going jazzy, just yeah. a semitone up, like sort of like the songs like So What. And he does a similar thing on like Come On from Memory. But yeah, that that just that mix between the, the G, that G sus minor sort of sound with the F major. He just avoids the B or B flat the whole way through. Like you know, it doesn't really imply the minor, which would be all the major. It just avoids that B all the way through. So you get this real like sus suspended sound all the way through the song. And I think it's just brilliant the way that's in like two keys at once. Unbelievable. And everything else in this song, there's so many like little just crazy shit happening all the time uh, in every speaker. Guitars, keyboards, effects, vocals. There's all these like little lines that just sort of come in and out. And they never resolve. They always just finish on a note that's not like a nice just, ah. It sounds resolved. Yeah. It always finishes on like a 2 or a 6 or a, a 7 or something like this. So good. It's a massive reverb on the Lindrum hand claps on beat 2 when he says, you're high, smack. Yeah. You're high, smack. Whack. Massive reverb, which I don't think was on the bootleg originally or I didn't notice it so much, which is kind of interesting because Prince would often use that big slap hand clap thing on beat 4 whereas on this one it's on 2. Kind of different. And man, the bass, just that bass and that rhythm guitar – there's a rhythm guitar that just goes from like maybe five fifteen up until about six oh five, where he starts really jangling out. But man, he starts getting real picky on that guitar, just slapping it out and strumming it really hard. You can imagine him just like sort of grading the strings with his uh, plectrum. It's and it's so funky. His rhythm guitar is so good on that. Okay, where else? Where else am I going in the song? Mm. Lyrics like uh, no cymbals, no saxophone. Hey, guess what? There's no cymbals or saxophone in the whole song. There go. He calls it out. <laughs> yeah. Lyrics like, I ain't got no theory, I ain't got no rules, just let the purple music tell my body what to do. It's very similar to lyrics he was singing at the time, like, uh, not knowing where I'm going is galaxies better yeah. than not having a place to go, that kind of stuff. And then you've got all this, uh, you know, where he's calling out the music kind of thing, where he's like, step on it and there's an additional
2: kick drum. Oh, yeah.
1: There's some weird themes going in there, like some domination things going on where he's saying, I don't want to play anymore. But then at the other time he's saying, that's right, drive, you idiot, drive faster. <laughs> it's like, oh, who, who's in control here? Who knows? But yeah, it's just so relentless. It's so funky. It's so purple, isn't it? I mean, purple music. The the name just totally smacks it out. It's so good, and it clocks in at eleven minutes, which I think is one of the longest Prince studio tracks. I mean, I'm sure there's others like America, 12 Inch, and this kind of thing. But yeah, really, is a sustained song. It's eleven minutes of just in your face funk, <laughs> and it never feels like it's coasting. It never feels like you know, like Delirious. We were just talking about. Yeah. This one doesn't coast. It's just there's always something different going on all the time. It's always crazy. It's always suspended. It never resolves. All of that just kind of gives this feeling of being high, like in the best possible way. I'm going to finish on saying I love the, the anti-drug message. You know, you don't need no riffer. You don't need cocaine. All you need is music, purple music preferable. Uh, it <laughs> makes me high too in the best possible way. This is such a funky, awesome track.
4: Holy dooly. There we go. That's it? That's all you've got to say about this? <laughs> what was that
1: like nine minutes, ten minutes?
4: I'm sure there's heaps on this too. <laughs> you almost went the length of the song. All right, where do we go? Uh, player, what do you think about this one?
0: Okay, the driving beat. As Tojo mentioned, it's relentless. The pattern when it starts between the false start and where the beat kicks in. It reminds me of the Baby I'm a Star pattern a little bit from the Purple Rain Tour. And I'll get, just park your thought on Baby I'm a Star because I'll get back to that. The bass line is very bouncy and that co-signs the simple minimalistic groove. He brings in musical elements gradually. You know, he starts with the drums and then the bass and then the synth and then the rhythm guitar. So he layers it up. God, it's awesome. There's certain instruments in the mix you can hear now a lot more clearly than the previous versions circulating on the collector's mm. market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like just before... Yeah, but this
1: one, this one really sounds good though, doesn't
0: it? Oh yeah, it sounds, sounds perfect. I like just before he the vocal kicks in at 31 second mark, he's got this mm.
2: yeah, <laughs> slices,
0: mm, in the right channel. <laughs> it's really cool. And then when it gets just past the one minute mark, he sings, you know, some people can't understand to be inside the church doesn't make you a righteous man. And the rhythm guitar plays along with the vocal phrasing phonetically. Like, so it does the, the rhythm guitar, but then he sort of plays along with the actual lyrics. That's really quite cool. Now, that rhythm guitar isolated, I mean, man, is that the heat? But there are parts of the rhythm guitar where it mimics the horn line in Baby i Star. So, you know, in Baby I'm a Star, it goes... He's playing that on the rhythm guitar in this track. He's, it's the same thing. So, wow, I didn't pick yeah. that up at all, shit Yeah, go listen to it From about 129, the way he plays that sustained synth chord It's bubbling, it's percolating There's so much going on in the background, I'll make your head spin And, it, you know, mm. we're less than two minutes into this song now <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just driving, it's relentless, it doesn't stop to take a breath It doesn't break down, it just builds and builds and builds and I love that I believe Dwayne covers this in the booklet But at about 304, Prince Eyre's next page, which is really cool inclusion where Mm Prince is flipping the page of the lyrics he's written down and he doesn't even care that he's mentioning it in the song which is even more dope like he just says you know next page (laughs) again the interplay of all the instruments is mind-blowing 633 introduces the lindrum tambourine bell shaker sound that drives the groove and delirious into the mix and that's a groove onto itself and into itself that whole it's time for your morning bath sir it's that's a bit (laughs) creepy to me
2: He's always got to take it somewhere weird. He, he, he can't help it. It's always something. <laughs> yeah, like, just, the two tracks.
1: All bendy sounds in the background. The two tracks
2: happening. that aren't on this release, I mean, he just, again, the reason they're not on here is because he just had to take it somewhere weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is not that bad, but it's something.
0: If it was a female vocal saying the same thing, you know, I wouldn't blink twice at it. But it just, it seems <laughs> like he's own, like, <laughs> Butler or bath. something. Yeah. It's just mm. It's just weird. But then again, the, that's right, drive you ready, faster, faster. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that part's funny. You know, it's not creepy, but it's just just like, where's he going with this, you know? There are parts of this song that remind us of other songs, the obvious one being all the critics loving in New York. But as I said earlier, there's a stretch out groove of the live Baby I'm a Star performance on Purple Rain. I also hear elements of this groove slow down in the coda section of When Doves Cry, for example, at 752, he does the oh we oh we oh is the same as the 432 in When Doves Cry. To so go and listen to that. Yeah. It's the same, ah. same part. So he reuses it in that song. Now, the reason this wasn't on 1999, who knows? But, I mean, I think it's superior than all the critics. So maybe he thought he, it could be so strong that he was holding it over to be centered around its own project. And then, you know, then Purple Rain concept railroaded that and... The fact it's a song amongst a few that reference the color purple and it was all too much and he's just moved on and never came back to it. I think it's interesting that it could have been destined for its own thing and even in this 2016, that would have been really cool if he centred a project around it. But yeah, as Toe James said, it's all about getting high off the music and it really gets you transfixed. I'm so glad we have this in this quality. My, like, my mind is fully blown by having this on here. So Yeah, I love this. I love this track.
4: All right, lots of love and praise for uh, this one so far. Purple music. I'm so tempted to just go right in on it, but I'm going to hand it over to Captain.
1: Before you hand it over to Captain. Ooh. Next page.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: very good. Very, very good. Well, Mr. Captain, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I'm going to read my notes here because I thought ToeJam was going to go last. So I start my notes off saying, I know Tojam's going to go through this second by second, so I'm not going <laughs> to list every single thing. <laughs> but then, by the time I finished my notes, I had gone through almost everything anyway, so it made no difference. I mean, there's not a lot of Prince tracks that run you know, 10 minutes or more. Crystal Ball springs to mind, another epic track. Come. And as good as Prince was at writing the perfect three and a half minute pop radio hit, I also love the long, drawn out jams that just have the time to just go all over the place. And this is definitely one of these tracks. So if you're one of those people who wants to write down all the timings that I'm going to say, get, get your pen ready, get your notepad, because here we go. <laughs> the first minute or so, you know, it's good, it's funky. But then 128, he just hits a really cool groove. It's got this nice synth line and the funky guitar to go along with it. And 150 to 203, you've got some cool synth stuff going on in the background. There's these two hits around 155. And, like, they're buried in the mix, but they're really cool. I don't know. They're just a weird synth sound. So 210, you've got the guitar and bass guitars kick in and another just funky as hell groove right there. We're two minutes in and already there's, like, been a bunch of cool stuff. No one has mentioned yet. Maybe MC's going to get to it. There's these funny guitar bits at 242 and 249. It's just comedic. And like ToeJam already said, 304, he says next page, you can hear the piece of paper. He flicks it in the air, it's cool. Again, I know ToeJam loves this song, but I've got to say, there's one bad note in this song, and it's at 418 on the synth. He plays a little run going down, and he just ends on a note, it's just not right. Have a listen to that. No, that's that's deliberate.
1: That's one of those ones. He just, he doesn't, all of these little bits, they never resolve. They always finish on a weird note.
2: But it's not just a weird note. It doesn't even sound like it's in the scale. I don't know. Have a listen to it. You've got a cool breakdown at 428, and then we get that bass going up. Like Turchin said before, this song is in F and it's in G. You, You think you're in F, and then that bass line just comes in, and it's in G. And you're just like, it just sounds strange. And then eventually it just goes back to normal anyway. But yeah, 510 that comes back with his killer groove around 530 is probably the funkiest part in this whole song. It really starts going off. There's some big Lynn claps. There's some chicken grease guitar just comes in really loud for a little bit. Uh, You've got Prince saying, no, 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 yes. It's it's like, okay. (laughs) And then 656. On the guitar, there's just these two little high notes, just out of nowhere. He's like playing this low stuff, and then he just goes up to these two little notes. I love stuff like that. It's not like this constantly repeated thing, it's just a one-off, never comes back again. It's it's good stuff. You've got this crazy rundown at 825, you've got the synth is going down, the guitar is going up, it's very cool. And then that funny guitar bit comes back in again. Comedic time. Uh, wah,
1: wah, 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 wah. Yeah,
2: it's so good. It's just funny. Uh, you already said the 9.15, step on it, and the kick drum. That's good. Another funky little guitar comes in around 10.12. And then from then, like, till the end of the track, the kick drum just starts going off all over the place. It's a very funky outro. And then we're done. So it's a good song. I'm not going to say it's great. I mean, it's Prince doing the Lindrum machine and, and the synths, you know, Minneapolis sound, but one of the reasons I don't think it's a great song, I, I haven't fully figured out why I think that. I mean, it has many aspects of a, a Prince track that I like, but I think some of it might be the vocal and the weird effect. Now, I know, you know, obviously the vocal's meant to sound like that because he put the effect on his voice and he sang it the way he wanted it to be, but I've said this about a few other songs, it has that I'm bored, I can do this in my sleep sound to it, which I don't like it when he sings like that. I was thinking about it. The vocal performance is totally at odds with the rest of the track, which is this crazy dance track with all this funky stuff going off all over the place. And the lyrics are about this exciting purple music that makes his brain go crazy. And the vocals are just so bored. Now, there's a few little bits. He gets a little bit of enthusiasm, but overall, I find it a very like lackluster vocal performance.
0: I think the effect is is like he's tripping. You know, like when you're tripping on that the could actual, be the effect like, of the music. Mm. Yeah, that he's kind of got this tripped out tone in his voice. That's how I mm. always saw it. That's why the vocal delivery is like that. It's almost like he's yeah. a, he's experiencing a trip, and so that's how he's relaying the song.
1: Yeah, it's like he's um, there's all this relentless stuff happening, and he's like looking over the top of it. Yeah, and you know, floating through it, yeah.
2: Just spinning out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, he meant for it to sound that way, so he must have had some, you know, the idea of this is how it's going to be. But it's like, when I hear it, it's like, you know, sometimes you've got a, a happy song, sounds like a happy song, but it's got sad lyrics or vice versa. And here you've got this, like, chaotic dance thing with these bored vocals. But, yeah, what you say makes sense. But vocals aside, it's a very good track. It is a classic early Prince doing the Minneapolis thing, it's definitely in the top 10 out of these 24-volt tracks. It might just be nudging the top five, but
4: yeah, it's very good. The end. Wow. Uh, I think it's testament to Prince as an artist and Prince as a creative person and obviously as a musician that the three of you have spoken about this song, I would say, at length, and I've still got something to say about it that is maybe something that hasn't been spoken about before. And, you know, that happens on our show. I'm kind of a little bit with Captain, at least conceptually, this song shouldn't be seen as like the greatest thing ever. So I think, Captain, you said it's good, not great, right?
3: Mm.
2: It's very good, but I wouldn't go very good. as yeah. far as it's great. There's just it's the,
4: like the vocals for me are something a bit strange. I can kind of identify with that, the reaction you have to this track. And initially, before actually hearing this, I was super intrigued by listening to this, but I wasn't expecting much because I knew the track, as we all did. You know, I went along and pressed play and heard it. And I have to say, this is my absolute favorite song out of both two CDs of unreleased material. Oh! yes. I just, uh, yeah, it is. (laughs) I think a couple of the live tracks, like International Lover and stuff, they are almost as good or or on any day. They might edge it out, you know, depending on what mood I'm in. But considering this is just a studio creation only and it's just the one-man band situation, it's Prince alone going absolutely wacky with the knobs and dials and controls and instruments Mm. and pedals and nastiness and craziness and weirdness and funkness. This is an absolutely insane track. And in some respects, it has no right to be as good as it does because that boom, dum, 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 dum. dum, dum, That pretty much happens on repeat for about 11 minutes. The lindrum doesn't change at its core. There are some bells and whistles that he throws in and some percussive elements and the kind of tambourine that he makes sound like a, almost like jingle bells or something. (laughs) Or sleigh bells, I should say, sleigh bells. You know, he's, he's kind of playing that in that sort of way. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this track, and you guys have already spoken about it. So why don't I start at the beginning? So well, Hang on a second.
2: Before you start, you said <laughs> you agreed with me, where you said it's not a great track, it's just good. No, then you say like, it's the best track on the entire thing.
4: No, like in, I, I said in theory, like in principle, I, I know what you're saying because like on the surface, this is like seemingly it's just another great Prince song. Right, so I kind of get where you're coming just from.
1: Just another great one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, just another great Prince song. He's got four, four of them, you know. But yeah. what I'm trying to get at is the more and more I heard it, and the more and more I've been listening to it. Obviously, the song doesn't change, but it feels like as you're listening to those 11 minutes, at least for me, you're discovering new things. And you know, the four of us always discover new things, as many Prince fans do. But this song in particular has so many of those moments, partially because. It's as long as it is, but I think partially because he throws in a very healthy amount of elements, musical elements and devices into this. And the captain, you spoke about that, um, the funny bit, right? That Like mm. that is so weird to throw into this song because it's funky and it's nasty. And then he throws in a bit of humor slash just strangeness. It's like a, it's such a weird, <laughs> it's almost like someone would have had to have been high to throw that in. Oh, if you're not now, uh, okay, no, that's not what I'm. I'm not. I don't <laughs> want to start any controversy. But what I'm getting at is like when you're in a studio in a creative environment, like if Parliament Funkadelic were doing this and they're vibing off each other and they're cracking up, you know, and they're smoking weed and doing whatever, that's one thing, bouncing ideas off each other. But presumably Prince is pretty much alone, and it's all flowing out of him. So he's kind of playing with himself. Oh that doesn't didn't come out right. But he's um,
1: <laughs> But he
4: literally is playing yes,
1: sir, is definitely
0: masturbating. Yeah, that's
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but he is playing with himself because there's no one else there. And I just I don't get I just don't get how this comes out of one brain, out of one one person's mind and actually goes Sit on down. Tape for a It's minutes. one guy. <laughs> no um so but, but there's so much more to talk about this there's so much more to talk about with this track and you guys have covered the lean and the synth bass lines and all this sort of stuff and the comparison to all the critics love you in new york which i don't know if all the critics is superior it's like you are i think Tojam opened up saying you're splitting what did you say you split the difference
1: well, it's very hard to split the difference yeah that's yeah.
4: right and so in some respects, this version of Purple Music is closer to the live versions of All The Critics Love You In New York that Prince was playing, uh, 2002-ish. So, they are the brother-sister track, aren't they? All The Critics yeah. came first, as, as Toe Jam said, and then Purple Music, but they're, they're two branches from the same tree. Can I use that one? All The Critics is, you know, seemingly,
2: it's just a very simple song about All The Critics Love You In New York, and he tells that about that. But this song... It's like a total concept song about yeah, it is. the music yeah. and all the different ways about being high. And mm. in that way, it's a totally different track to All the Critics, which is just a song literally about everyone loves you in New York. And there's nothing... that I don't think there's anything more to that track.
1: Well, this one's kind of similar in that this has sort of weird lyrics that just pop up out of nowhere that don't really mean anything, like the step on it thing and the that's right drive and...
2: Yeah, I don't know what that bit's about. <laughs>
1: You know, like in all the critics, they'll say something like, fourth day of November. It's like, what the hell's that got to do
2: with anything? (laughs) Strange stuff, yeah. But there's a concept to this, which is not that apparent on other tracks on 99, I think. And maybe that's why it's not on there. It's a very different track to me, even though it sounds similar musically to some of those tracks. But
4: anyway. So I'm going to take your concept idea, Captain, and I'm going to raise you one and say that potentially this song is one of the very few pieces of music that encapsulates Prince's philosophy on music itself, because yes, there's an anti-drug message. You could say that, but all of the musical elements and the, and the references to music, whether it's stepping on it or whether it's how music makes him feel, in other words, high, you could just imagine that, right? Like we've all seen him in the moment and whether it's on video, whether it's in the flesh in a live performance or whatever, uh, clearly this was a, a guy who was super moved by sound. And so this is almost like an ode to sound, to his obsession, which is, which is music. And the crazy thing about this is that this was recorded about a week after Possessed. And then you think about the themes of Possessed, to Captain's point that he just made, around the theme of the song and what it's about. Well, Possessed is, I mean, could be taken to be possessed by a lover or, or whatever, but uh, or another person but it's also about being possessed by the music and when we spoke about that track we i think we we said that as well so isn't it interesting that a song like possessed he's just got something in he can't get it out it's just like he's possessed by the music and now the purple music is making him so high and those two songs are only a week apart it's like at that period in his career he must have been super super energized super motivated and super turned on and high by the music you know like completely in the zone, and no wonder some of his greatest material came out of this period. But going back to the song, it's yeah. Are you it, going to review this of, track or what? Yeah, I think I might start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just review the track. Hold on. So, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm high by the review. That one, two, three bass line, that that um, we all know and love is so hypnotic. And I think that it's almost like 50% of the track to me. It's that strong and it's so simple and it's seemingly doing not a lot, but it's kind of like it has you falling over yourself in your own mind just by being um, hypnotized by that groove. And then that sparse guitar picking and fiddling around by him makes it so filthy, but it's clean as well. Like the production of the song is relatively clean. I think the lyrics are some of the best of this period, Just so I, again, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You guys have mentioned some of them, but the one that I love, but I'm also a little bit concerned by is when he says, don't need no," the opening line, don't need no reefer, don't need cocaine. Purple music does the same to my brain. If you do read that literally, he would only know that purple music does the same to his brain. If he actually tried reefer or cocaine, I'll let that one (gasps) marinate there. Oh my God. So
1: I think you're reading way too much into that.
4: (laughs) But anyway, you can read it that way. So... It's weird that he has to bring in the righteous man thing. Like, it's almost like a song like this that was purely about music and being possessed by it and being high. He couldn't leave a a religious reference out of it. And the next line, in in time we all die, all music gone, so we better try our best to get along. I find it interesting that, again, in 2016, uh, just prior to his unfortunate passing, a line like this would have been, you know, in a piece of music that he was performing. Again, reading into it, maybe, uh, but I do find it interesting. And then by the end of it, where he's taking a bubble bath or whatever heck is going on, it's so weird. But again, it reminds me of what happens in the gold standard, the track on Artificial Age. Very similar sort of device that he uses. So again, I just think that these are all interesting coincidences. But what about the sniff? I mean, the sniff at the beginning is clearly playing the character of someone that's potentially high. So even though he's talking about music, is something else going on there, at least as the character in the song? I don't know. Who knows? The guitar to me is as funky as controversy, I would say. It's not as loud in the mix, it's not as full on, but it is, the funk's all over this track. And it's funny when he talks about making his own rules, he actually, musically speaking, is making his own rules while singing about making his own rules, which I find very, very fascinating, especially for a 23, 24 year old musician. He adds in these faded in breathing sounds, which is, again, interesting. And the the thing about needing to find a style of my own, I think, again, works as a comparison to All the Critics Love You in New York, because at that time, he was trying to find a style of his own. So he's singing about his own life. And I think that's that's pretty crazy. But musically, here are some of my favorite moments. Holy shit, the guitar and bass pops, just crazy. At five minutes, 10 seconds to five minutes, 20. I think that's the best part of the track. Those 10 Mm, seconds. Yeah. It's I think that's exactly
2: the same thing I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is.
4: Yeah. It's, it's the five lead up ten to, to five thirty. That groove is just. That's insane. it. That is like holy crap! What is going on there? It's just <laughs> funkified.
1: What makes that is the lead up. You know, he yeah. spends like yeah. twenty seconds just going ding 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 ding, like chugging on that. Uh, I think it's a G. Yeah. And just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, and then it's yeah, bom, yeah. Bam.
4: And you know, the chugging on that G that you just mentioned is very similar to a similar musical execution that he did on Dirty Mind, the song, you know, that it's very similar to that. There's an energy there. So that's really awesome to hear. And then at six minutes, that's when the song hits its peak to me. You get the chicken grease. It goes nuts. The part that you want and the part that you want to repeat is six minutes and five seconds to six minutes and 12 seconds. Hmm. That is some of the funkiest ding a ling guitar that I've ever heard. That's probably the best way
3: I Ding-a-ling. can put it.
4: It's like <laughs> it's, it's this ling 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 It's almost like um I don't know, like it just hit him. Like he's playing that guitar bit on speed. That's what it sounds like. He's like, oh shit, I forgot to play it some guitar. It sounds to
1: me like he's playing a poker machine I and mean, yeah. he's won all the coins. You
4: know, <laughs> that's literally what it sounds like. So that's pretty crazy. And yeah, like the purple music tells my body what to do. So again he's possessed by the music. He's he's not he's not even in control anymore. I think the My Color line, you know, uh, if you understand. If you understand My Color. Yeah, yeah, put your hand on your crotch. I mean, so immature, but again, so funny. And then the fact about this going for 11 minutes but never getting old, you know, in the previous track when we're talking about Delirious uh, uh, on this album, I talk about liking the four-minute album version. And this could go for 22 minutes. You could literally double this. And I reckon you would not get bored. I'm going to change my own mind here as I, as I continue this. The best part of the song is actually different to what I earlier. The, the 510 to 520 is great, but the absolute essential thing you want to listen to, in my view, is 824 to 905. What, and again, that's the kind of mm. pre-bubble bath <laughs> situation where there's some weird alien-esque sounds happening. What the heck is going on? That is insane because if you really listen intently, there's a lot of insane, groovy, weird... Almost maniacal stuff happening underneath, and it's almost like at some point, in fact, at exactly the nine minute forty six second mark, Prince just either falls onto or accidentally just finds the double kick button. Do you guys remember mm. that bit? It's like the yeah. song's chugging along nicely, and it's like, it's like he is literally possessed by the music. And I feel like, in summary, this is the sort of song to me where Prince. Prior to getting to the studio, spent like half a day at a candy shop or like a sweet shop, just like eating candy for like six hours straight. And then he just (laughs) – he's just got this like food coma and then all of a sudden the sugar rush just like (laughs) hits his brain and he's like, oh, shit, i got to go to the studio. He gets into the studio and he just starts twisting stuff and playing with knobs and recording ridiculous (laughs) guitar parts and punching himself in and out of the track. And I think at the end of that you get purple music. Like it's insane It is absolutely insane I thought you were just going to say Punching himself in the face <laughs> no, Not quite But um, yeah this is fantastic Player spoke about the guitar replicating the Baby I'm a Star horn bit I actually think the drum beat right at the beginning of this track I totally forgot to mention yeah. this The drum beat reminds me of the Baby I'm a Star beat So he obviously reused because, that idea right Yeah That's did. cool That's That's super cool If I have to be super critical just to end this, I would say the vocal is a bit, I I get why it's not clean and I get why it's not super close to the mic and all this sort of stuff. But the fact that he sounds like he's singing down a phone line and potentially he's like he's hung over or something in parts, I don't know. Like it works, but I I wish, because everything else is so clean, I wish his vocal was maybe a tad cleaner so that we could hear the the in-breath and the out-breath a little bit more. So yeah, what else can I say? This is a monster jam and the one you want to see slash the one you want to hear when you're buying this set. So, Purple Music.
2: No, it's Welcome see, welcome to the Freedom Galaxy. Uh, mm. Like Toe Jam said about, what did you say? The symbols and a the saxophone, they're not in the song. Does he, does he say Welcome to mm. the Freedom Galaxy anywhere in this song? No. No. So, what a weird title for the track. It's just weird because there's not many. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two. I just can't think of them. A song. Which is titled, but he doesn't say the title of the song in the song. It's pretty rare. And this is this is one of them, even though on this oh, I can it's think called one. Purple Music. Oh, uh, oh I can oh, think Oh, Alexa one. de Paris?
3: No, no, this one. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that is never gonna get old. Well here's here's one more thing for you. I think Well, I think like the Monty Python guys would say, this is the holy grail on this set as far as like Mm. pristine quality bootleg track. The first song. No, (laughs) there's conjecture in the courtroom. uh, But I mean, this is the first, I think Playouts kind of touched on this, using the word purple. This is the first time that he's used purple in a song title. The first. So that's absolutely crazy.
3: What are you talking about?
4: I think I'm right on that, by the way. I, I never actually checked. It. I couldn't think of anything before that. I mean, purple music and then purple rain and then...
2: Purple and gold. <laughs> yeah. Ends on a high. <laughs> <laughs> I really
4: wasn't going to go
2: there. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so is that it? Is that the show? That's the show. Longest review we've done of a track, so there you go. History
4: in the making.
1: Well, it's an 11-minute track, so there's a lot to talk there's about.
4: There's a lot there. Yeah. Mm. So, thank you for joining us once again for our multi-part 1999 Super Deluxe review. This has been part three. Hang out with us on the next episode of the Peach and Black podcast when we do part four of this mammoth, insane release. Can't wait to get into that.
3: I'm scared. I'm scared.
4: <laughs> Captain, toe Jam Rob, i got a
0: question for you. Yes? Yes. Have you had your plus sign today?
3: <gasps> oh.
0: Do you know what that means? I did. I got it at peachandblackplus.com. There you go. (laughs) So if anyone wants their additional Peach and Black, you need to go to peachandblackplus.com.
4: There you go. Thank you. Peace and catch you in a future episode.
1: You've been listening to another classic Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud and all good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. You can continue your Peach and Black experience online. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S, MC. Player, ToeJam and Captain. Original theme music by yours truly, ToeJam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com.